Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home. Your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> Have I ever told you that I hate that opening a lot? <laughs> and I created it. Why? Because you got to listen to it every time. Yeah, it's the listening to it, and it's the how fucking cheesy I sound, but it's intended, obviously. <laughs> yeah, is it though? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I have to sound like that. I, I have to sound that happy and cheerful. Do I sound that happy, happy and cheerful throughout the day? I know when I'm excited, I do. Uh, I don't know. You're always in a chipper mood. So. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. Apparently, I'm always happy. <laughs> you are. Just that we're like the yin and yang. <laughs> welcome to Death Holler. Yeah, welcome to Death Holler, everybody. <laughs> if this, you didn't know where you were at, this is the first time we're on video, so uh, <laughs> we're we're maybe, we're sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, might as well put the apologies out front. Yeah, let's just get it right out there. We, we don't know what you were expecting, but here you go. Here's what it is. Let's just say we're not made for TV. We, yeah, definitely. I was told I have a radio voice, but I don't believe I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, back to the Reverend. Um, so are we going to get right into it? I mean, I hate to be this way about it right off the bat, but the I mean, real like, question uh, is: yeah. since you guys are doing video, are you going to get a backdrop now? Uh, that's what we've talked about doing. Um, I don't, I don't know if we're going to go that route though, uh, this early. We, I think we can order you something like order, like a, like a, a horde type drop. And all you gotta do is pin it to the ceiling. He literally has Frankenstein right behind him. I know, but uh, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> it's cheap. You can order him something. Oh my God. Work another, okay. Work another shift. Now you interrupted him. Don't be rude. He asked if we were just going to get right into it because for what reason now? Well, I mean, this is technically the second part of a two-part episode, or I mean, yeah, a two-part episode. Yes. So we, we've already discussed Stir of Echoes, um, and I guess that won't be technically filmed, but um, now we're getting ready to go in the Legend of Hell House. And uh, didn't know if we wanted to discuss anything like, you know, prior to, you know, or, or just get right into the movie. No, let's get right into the movie. I mean, it's it, there. Hopefully people will start catching the other episodes prior to this to see how we run things. But we are going to try doing video pretty much from here on out. So you'll kind of see how things run. We do two episodes typically in one sitting and then I release them every Monday. And if you're lucky, every other Wednesday, you're going to catch an episode of, I think I downloaded the wrong movie. And um, there's, I don't want to get into it. You just have to know what you're getting into when you listen to that. You have to be 18 or over to listen to it on YouTube. You guys should show clips from the movie. I, I think I want to start doing that, but uh, obviously not uh, anything too saucy. <laughs> well, it'll be, it, it, it's easy to edit blur to the video when you're done. Okay. It's very, very little effort to do that. Yeah. So we'll probably we'll probably do that. We'll probably start adding 
<laughs> Little clips. <laughs> Anyways, Reverend, let's roll right into The Legend of Hell House from 1973. Hell of a good yeah, movie. Yeah, this, this one's kind of an old one. I mean, we're going back a little bit. Um, directed by John Howe. Uh, this was uh, written by Richard Matheson. And not only is it a novel that he wrote, uh, a very very good novel by the way but also uh, he did the screenplay for this so this is actually all the way around Richard Matheson's baby when it comes to the the story on this one uh, music is by Della Derbyshire and Brian Hodgson uh, and this is one of the first electronic scores that was ever done for a film which is kind of strange for a haunted house movie back in the 70s yeah um I mean, it's not like traditional composer work, you know, no symphony, that sort of thing. They, they literally, this, they, they got like out a, a synthesizer and, you know, and kind of came up with the music for it. So it's, it's kind of an odd one that way. Um, normally I cover the budget for these movies, but I couldn't for the life of me find the budget for this one. I don't know what they filmed it for, you know, what, you know, what it cost them, but I do know box office wise, it only made 2.5 million USD. So um, this one's very, very much on the low end of the, the earning part. Yeah, but back in, okay, I'm not saying that there weren't like major blockbusters back in the day, but were they as big, almost as big as today? Oh, no. I think Jaws was the probably considered the very first blockbuster, quote unquote. So, I mean, most of the movies back then wasn't like, you know, they didn't knock it out of the park like, you know, the ones that came after that. Yeah. Um, principal players for this movie, we've got Pamela Franklin playing Florence Tanner. Uh, she is a minister, a mental medium, and she is a gullible and tragic victim of this movie. Um, I don't know if you got this whenever you were watching the movie, but uh, she is technically, I mean, this goes along uh, that's thematically with the stir of echoes a little bit. She was technically raped by the ghost, like at one point in this movie. I don't it know. It looked like she enjoyed it because I saw a smile on her face. <laughs> well, that. It's technically supposed to be, I think in the book, it kind of is that a little bit because she's, you know, like there's a lot of sexual repression that comes out, you know, in, in the story. But that's one of the reasons why the, the story's so good. Like it, 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 it tackled the stuff like, you know, uh, right, right up front. But um, she's, I think it's more, more like she's also getting possessed by the spirit. Like she fights it and it's hurting her at first. And then like once it takes over, then you, yeah. know, you see the smile on her face. But yeah. Well, yeah, and um, we just can't seem to escape the ghost fucking in the past few films. <laughs> it's it's lingering with us. I don't know what. Eventually, we'll get out of it here soon. But well, I don't know. I can't say that because we're going to be covering. Um, if I remember right, we're going to be covering the the haunting of uh, Bly Manor, and I'm pretty sure there's ghosts that fuck in that movie constantly. So we're, we're it's <laughs> going to yeah. stay with us for a little bit longer. Oh my god. Uh, so Pamela Franklin was in uh, Circle of Fear, aka Ghost Story, which is a TV series anthology. Uh, she was in uh, an episode of Night Gallery, uh, the Rod Serling television show that was kind of a follow up to the Twilight Zone. Uh, she was in a TV movie called Satan's School for Girls. I, that, that sounds like that could go to a Donnie G movie, actually. But, <laughs> and she was in The Nanny, uh, which is where a boy is blamed for the deaths. Uh, uh, of like his, uh, I believe it's his parents and like the people around him when it's actually the evil nanny that's doing that. And one of her first films ever 
speaking of Bly Manor, is a movie called The Innocence, which she plays the little girl in, and that is the story that Bly Manor is based off of. So we will be covering The Innocence here soon, too. So she'll be coming back in a future episode. Um, her character in this film also is the inspiration for Cindy Campbell in Scary Movie, at least one of the films. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, you'll I get. I was not aware of that. I am one hundred percent shocked that you had not. You had yeah, not caught the scene. As soon as I saw that scene, I was no, let's not talk about it. So I was dying hard. so bad. Okay, we got. <laughs> we're we're gonna keep it a secret. <laughs> okay, uh, Roddy McDowell is uh, Ben Fisher. Uh, he is the survivor, the Doom Prophet, uh, and the physical medium in the movie. And and of all the Doom Prophets that we have covered and probably will cover, he's the least annoying and probably the most effective. So, yeah. Um, most of them just scream, you know, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, and then everybody dies. This guy at least tried to help before, you know, the people, because they just wouldn't listen to him. Um, and, of course, Roddy McDowell is one of those damn dirty apes. Uh, he was in pl- most of the Planet of the Apes film. Uh, the original with uh, Charlton Heston. That's so, I mean, what I recognized him from. I couldn't have put my finger on. I was like, God damn, he looks so familiar. Damn yeah, dirty ape. Yeah, he's very well known for that role. Um, he was also an Overboard, uh, the Kurt what? Russell uh, film from 1987, uh, Goldie Hawn. I yeah, love that was, movie. Uh, I believe he was the... Uh, the the helper uh on the the yacht that actually you know was actually you know trying to get the two of them together or something i think he was that character if i remember right which if um, uh do not watch the remake it's not worth it <laughs> are you saying anna ferris is uh speaking of anna ferris there's a there's <laughs> there's a scene in this movie that clearly inspired her role in scary movie too but we'll get to that too here in a little bit that's but, what i was talking uh, about <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, you said Cindy Campbell. I thought you was talking. I, I was thinking Scream. Well, yeah. I was thinking like. Oh, not Sydney. Not Sydney Prescott. Yeah, not okay. Sydney Prescott. Sydney, That's what Cindy came Campbell to my mind when you said that. Oh, yes, yes. That scene was clearly inspired <laughs> by by Anna Fair or this movie. I died. Uh, <laughs> um, he is actually Roddy McDowell is a prolific voice actor. He was in. He was the Mad Hatter uh, on Batman the Animated Series. Oh wow! Uh, he was he was on Pinky and the Brain. He was in Gargoyles, the uh, Disney TV show that a lot of people of our generation, you know, really liked. Um, and then uh, Pirates of Dark Water, which is a little lesser known, but he was in that. I saw that. And that's a hell of a good show. Yeah. No, you talk. Uh, <laughs> he was also in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and uh, an original, uh, an episode of the original Twilight Zone. And of course, for uh, horror fans, he was in Fright Night in 1985. That's that where that's another place you might have known him from, Noah, because he he played the uh, Peter Vincent, I believe is his name, the guy who you know comes there's like the late night movie host or whatever that they that Charlie Brewster goes to to try to help him. Uh, take care of the vampire in that movie hmm. and and uh one of his first films i believe is a movie called murder in the family which was in 1938 so he was he was in the movies for a long time um we have clive revel uh playing dr lionel barrett physicist paranormal investigator and extreme skeptic even in the light of paranormal phenomena he refuses to believe that ghosts exist apparently or at least that they're 
intelligent entities. I believe he, he believes that they're there, but they're like just energy or something. Um, he's also a high profile voice actor. He was in the original Transformers TV series, played kickback in that. Uh, and Transformers, the movie, the 1986 one that, that uh, he also played kickback, that's the one that destroyed a lot of people of our generation because they saw Optimus Prime die, <laughs> I believe, in that one. <laughs> Uh, he was in Freakazoid, uh, also in Pinky and the Brain, <laughs> and Batman the Animated Series. He Ooh. was also in that as Alfred. Wow. Um, he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the animated series. Oh, my God. I didn't even know they did that. Yes, it was actually pretty good, too. <laughs> I mean, well, it was decent. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't uh, Ghostbusters, the, so. <laughs> the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries. And uh, these are two that I'm sure, or one of these I'm sure uh, Urena would appreciate. Dracula Dead and Loving It. He's in that. <laughs> and I love that uh, movie. Chud 2, Bud the Chud. He was in that movie. Oh, God. Um, we have Gail Honeycutt playing Ann Barrett, uh, loving wife to Lionel, very sexually repressed. And, uh, and apparently, because of that, she's easily possessed. Um, she was in the Spiral Staircase in 1975. I think there's like a newer version of that. Uh, I Have the Cat, which is a horror film about a couple planning to rob a mansion uh, of the man's wealthy aunt, but he's afraid of cats and his aunt's mansion's full of them. So that's kind of a bad place to be, I guess, if you're afraid of cats. And uh, her probably her biggest role was in the Dallas TV series back oh. in the day. Wow. She has that look, though. She looks like a soap opera top star so i mean it it kind of fits and uh this there's not a lot of people in this movie so rounding out the cast <laughs> and just for a short few minutes at the beginning is roland culver who plays mr deutsch uh the rich old man who's <laughs> apparently afraid of death um and uh he was in uh surprisingly he was in dead of night a 1945 horror anthology film um which is a rare movie because at that time Britain banned horror films uh, during World War II, and uh, it has a and it's one of the first movies to ever feature a malevolent ventriloquist dummy um, that kind of caught on afterward and became popular. Um, a little bit of trivia though: the 1977 American anthology film of the same name actually features stories by Richard Matheson. So, wow, kind of a. He went full circle there, you know, from one part of his life to the, the end of it. And um, and also, he was in The Uncanny, which is a 1977 horror anthology about, of all things, cats. So, cats and uh, <laughs> being crazy uh, seem to fe feature into these films quite a bit. Yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> uh, synopsis for this movie is uh, obsessed with finding proof of the afterlife. Mr. Deutsch hires a well-renowned parapsychologist. Uh, as well as two mediums to investigate the most infamous haunted house in the world. Skeptical, uh, the parapsychologist uses science to try and debunk the uh, theory that ghosts exist as anything more than electromagnetic residue. Uh, the only survivor of the previous attempt to investigate Hell House keeps himself closed off to its influences as he warns the others of its dangers. Ectoplasm emanates, repressed sexuality is brought into the open, and a church in hell may hold the secret to it all. Um, so I want to start out this discussion by going right off the bat and saying that if the beginning uh, title card of this movie did not inspire uh, um, the movie that we, the, the house of the devil uh, intro, oh my uh, movie, God. which, you know, <laughs> I, I, 
you know, I'm, I'm swear, I almost, I was like, I was waiting for a cheap knockoff moving in stereo to play right behind the, you know, the, the, the title. Yeah, uh, that's the, actually, I'm glad you said something about that because I don't really like older films. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, ugh, this reminds me exactly of <laughs> House of the Devil. And I was like, okay, okay, but I don't hear, at least it's the normal music you're going to get for this time era. It's not the horrible knockoff version of it. So, okay, I'll stick around. I'll see what I'm looking at. Um. What I mean, just uh, I guess we can kind of go through it. Like, I mean, right off the bat, do you feel like the uh, the way that they presented the house with like the you know the fog and everything, and and the way that you know that it was designed, like the interior of the house? Do you feel like that was appropriate? Do you feel like that kind of you know added to the atmosphere of the movie? Um, yeah, I think one hundred percent it did because I don't know if you're going to talk about the set at all in the in the trivia. But I'm kind of curious as to what if they used an actual house or if it was some kind of set that they used. I thought it looked pretty decent. I believe the exterior, uh, I don't know that I've got this in trivia, honestly, because the trivia is very sparse for this movie. But uh, I believe the outside was an existing house. And um, they and the and they got lucky. I mean, this is in the trivia, but they got lucky that. Uh, there was no wind on the day that they were filming that. So whenever they had their fogs, fog machines, like, you know, activated and, you know, producing all that fog, like they, it was just perfect. Cause they got it in one take. They didn't have to, cause there was no wind disturbing anything. And they just, you know, got what they needed. And, uh, actually, uh, Florence, uh, was talking about, I think she's the only one on like the, the, uh, the, the track, the commentary track on the, the, the Blu-ray that I have, she's talking about how that the, the, the stuff they used basically was, was making them like basically gag from like the smell and everything else. Cause it was just Ugh. so thick and they, you know, all over the place. Well, if you think about it too, um, it's an old school fog machine. So the, a, oh, a, yeah. they didn't really figure out later on. That it's like, baby, you can just get away with the uh, baby oil. <laughs> yeah. I think they were using like a mixture. She said there was dry. So there was like two or three ingredients she said, and they yeah. all kind of just like, they did not mix well together as well, far as the dry ice just, is this hard carbon dioxide. So as it floods the area, it just chokes you out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, I mean, you know, they, uh, there's, that's the thing about this movie that has to be said. Like, even if you think that there's parts of it that are cheesy in its appearance, the special effects in this movie were done completely optically. They didn't have any other means to do them. And they are, I mean, you got to appreciate like the, the skill that they used in getting them. Like, I mean, it's skipping ahead a little bit, but that ectoplasm scene is like insane considering the fact that they didn't have like digital technology to create that. Yeah, it actually does. It doesn't look bad. At, well, it doesn't, it's not like today's standards, but okay, whatever. We, you can't compare that. Uh, I thought it was pretty decent considering what they had. And I was like looking around, I was like, how did they make this happen? I was like, whatever. <laughs> really creative. <laughs> yes. Um, and the scene in particular, I mean, the, the, cause the director brought this up and I, and I was like, well, you don't think about it. And that's the sad thing now, but he's got a good point. The scene where Florence comes in and there's the bed and there's clearly somebody laying in it and she yeah. goes to lift up the sheet and like, there's nobody underneath it. Like they had, I mean, they had to figure that out. Like there was no good way to do that because yeah. I mean, 
they because if you notice it, they don't really do it with a, a quick. I mean, the cut is not like so blatant that you you know that they did it that way. And he and he wouldn't reveal actually how he did that. That I'm sure that they dropped the person out, whoever was in the bed underneath it or something like that. But he wouldn't reveal how they did it. But they, there's no quick cut there, so there's no like trickery that way. Like they they just filmed it, you know, yeah. and went with it. So they did something. I don't know, but it looked it looked really good. Um. I don't, I mean, is there anything like that stands out like, you know, as far as like scenes in particular? I mean, the one we're going to obviously talk about is the cat, but <laughs> I mean, for different reasons, but is there any besides that one that, that you want to bring up? Are you talking about that includes any kind of uh, scenery that might be paranormal or just in general, something that stood out? Just anything that stood out, just like bring up, you know, like we, cause I mean, there's no reason to like, you know, nitpick everything in the movie, just kind of anything that stood out to you that, you know, was oh, yeah. cool or really cheesy or whatever, you know. Um, did you notice all of the books that uh, the wife saw when she woke up from seeing that, uh, that sex scene and the shadow sex scene, if you will? Uh, I have that, which that, that shadow sex scenes, another one of those, you know, visual effects, but I actually have in the trivia, the names of all those books, I believe. And you're okay. going to enjoy those. Yes. Whatever. I mean, I, I, no, I did a pause. I was looking at them. I was like, wow. And then all of a yeah, sudden they're... she's walking downstairs feeling a little extra frisky. And probably one of my favorite scenes, obviously, aside from the cat scene is her getting the shit slapped out of her by that guy. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Slow your roll, bitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You jabroni. Sound effects were amazing. They Those were impressive. Those slaps, man, they slapped. I don't know if you noticed, too, the gate when they were coming in. Did you happen to look at that? Um, I looked at them as far as like the, I focused on them as far as the scene that, you know, moving in stereo where it kind of froze on them for a second, like the very tip of them, but I didn't like pay attention to them otherwise. If you look at the gate, it looks like a devil's mouth. Oh. Kind of like a face. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I, I think it is. I was stupid high when I was watching this thing. No, that would make sense what? because if you remember, th that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Roddy McDowell is like giving the history of Hell House and he's talking about all the different things that, you know, the, the creator, you know, of, of the place was into. And I mean, he, he would gladly have a, a demon face on his gates because, I mean, they listed shit like necrophilia, drug use, you know, like orgies. I mean, the guy was into everything. So. Yeah. So it, if you if you happen to watch the intro again, you'll see it. It's like a it's like a devil's kind of like a grin on the gate. Extreme fallacies throughout the whole <laughs> film. Well, and that was the thing too. The guy was like super, you know, perverted. Super into dicks. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna tell me you don't like dicks? <laughs> Not when they're surrounding me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Turn that down, please. Um, I there's I, well, I mean, let's just go into it about the cat scene. So obviously, <laughs> let's just do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> obviously, in Scary Movie Two, whenever Cindy is like, you know, help, my pussy's gone crazy. Like, obviously, <laughs> that mo that is directly from this movie. There's no. I mean, as soon as I saw that scene start up, I'm like, oh, my God, I know what this is from, you know, yeah. it, it, they're referencing. Oh, I was dying. <laughs> Me and my daughter were cracking up so hard. But, I mean, it was like there was a lot of detail because even the night the night dress was 
kind of similar. And the hair, they cut her hair just like the actresses in this film. Or I That's should say true. both both actresses yeah. had the same style haircut. So she was heavily like based upon this character in, in the Legend of Hell House. Cindy, excuse me, Cindy Campbell was based on the character in Legend of Hell House. So I was like, wow, like I would have never really put the two together until the, you know, pussy attacked her, which was it was <laughs> almost like frame for frame too. Well, except for there was no bunching, you know, p- boxing scene or anything. Oh, yeah, and then she didn't shit in the cat's litter box like she did in Scary Movie too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I thought was interesting is that, I mean, you you can notice it right off the bat. Richard Matheson read The Haunting by Shirley Jackson, which we've already covered, you know, the, you know, the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And uh, he said, I like that, but it doesn't go far enough. So I'm going to add a lot more, you know, like out there, like sexual stuff and like violence and all that to the movie. And so the fact that whenever they made Scary Movie 2, it was it, it, it could very easily be a stand in for, you know, the haunting at the time. But I mean, the fact that it also covered Hell House is, is kind of a, you know, fun little, you know, accident, if you want to call it that, just because. You know, the, 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 it's, you know, Hell House is kind of like a redo of The Haunting anyways. Yeah. It's like the same basic plot. You know, you get a bunch of people like a, a medium, a skeptic, you know, yeah. and, and kind of throw them in the house. And, you know, that it's kind of goes along the same route. You know, what got me a little bit about this movie, something I noticed is that I, they discussed it a lot in the film, at least the physical medium discussed it a lot, is he said that, he kept talking about the people that uh, were crippled after they were there or when, I don't know that he said paraplegic at all, but basically it was implied. And in Scary Movie, I hate to bring that movie up, Scary Movie (laughs) 2, you literally had someone, one of the helpers that was a paraplegic, so. He can do it himself. That's true. (laughs) Yes, and he he showed us. He can take care of himself, thank you very much. Just don't get to put a, you know, black light on him at any point and, and catch all that nonsense, but <laughs> was there anything uh, like scary? And, and and it's hard to say scary so much because of what we've experienced in watching horror films. But what was some of the scarier scenes that you maybe you guys had noticed in this film? I'm trying to think of the the scenes that I thought. I mean, I I like the 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 scene where he where the ectoplasm you know presents or whatever. I mm-hmm. mean the way that they you know have that. Um, I I feel like the uh, the stuff. It the I mean it's not necessarily scary, but I feel like the scene at the end where I mean and, and in the wrong mood it's cheesy, but I did like the scene where Roddy McDowell is like calling down you know and like you know the the ghost of the house and basically like you know calling him a bitch to his face and saying you know like <laughs> you were nothing you know you're little little shrimp of a man you never and like you know I I like that scene the way that I mean it's there's a big build up in that scene and I, I did enjoy that. It was funny how it's it pretty much said you used to be the shit back in the day, but now you're nothing. And it's like, whoa. Oh, and the girl got possessed. <laughs> yeah. I thought the possessed scenes were pretty decent. Like the voice. You got to keep in mind too. It, it's a movie of its time. No. So, yeah. Like, oh yeah. For movies, sure. movies didn't really get good with gore until about the thing. The thing is what really set the benchmark of what you can get away with. That audience will pay for. Cause the, cause the thing got smashed uh, in reviews 
But over time, like, it did hella good. Like, Evil Dead was the only thing really closest that caught mainstream traction that was like that. Um, they had movies that had gore in them around this, or shortly after this time, but they were all Italian, which is a totally different, like, you know, uh, review board and, like, approval ratings and all that. So, uh, and, and the blood in those movies, even though there's copious amounts, were, like, that bright, almost paints like blood. So, I mean, that, that also factors in, I mean, it, you know, America wasn't at the point yet to, you know, accept that sort of thing. Yeah, no. So I don't know anything that stands out to you. There's a lot of good tension building with all the scenes. Yeah. You you don't quite know what's going to happen. You don't know which way it's going to go. You don't know how dangerous the entity is too. Oh yeah. Like when she thinks she's talking to a little boy and we're not 100% sure about that. Did we ever find out for sure? Because she kept talking about Daniel. Um, oh, God, I forget the last name. But it was the, the kid. And then they find that body. Like it, It's it, it like was, Vlasco or something yeah. like that, I believe is the last name. Was that really who they found? Because the, there was a lot of doubt whether or not that was really him or not. And she kept saying, but we found the body. But we found the body, you know. So, uh, you know no, what I. It was. Uh, Go ahead. It was somebody else, and I only know that because of the book. Like okay. In the book, they were, you know, it's it's it was somebody else who was originally at the party, you know, because he mentions that in the story about how there was a party of, like, you know, where they having the big orgy and the satanic <laughs> stuff going on, like when Velasco first disappeared, or and uh, and I believe it's one of the people that disappeared, you know, during that that initial thing, and not necessarily, and of course, and you know, he was the only real main haunt of the house. Um, but he always portrayed that he was these other spirits that tr- kind of trick people into, you know, kind of staying away from where he's at. What I didn't quite understand, I was, I was confused, is uh, so w- was there a bunch of ghosts in the house then, or was that one guy just projecting into the house? It was just him. Like, it was always just him, but he had, and that's the thing that, that it's supposed to, in the book that it kind of, like, says is that he's such a powerful entity that he can appear to be, like, multiple spirits at the same time. Like, he's that strong. Wow. So, I mean. And then no yeah, better I, way to get into somebody's, get in, I don't know, possess somebody than to get their trust and specifically that medium who thought, oh, okay, well, it's just this little boy. We just need to put him to rest. Yeah, and then then he does the even worse thing whenever you really get to thinking about it is he uses her psychic energy and, of course, I mean, you know, her body. But, I mean, like he uses her psychic energy to kind of empower, you know, to build his own power up too at the same time because she's, she's you know, she she's allowing him to use her energy to kind of like manifest so he can leave thinking it's, you know, the Daniel or whatever when it's actually the – the, yeah. the main bad guy of the house and he's just feeding off the energy, you know, and that's why, you know, he, he, that's why the one psychic being smart has turned himself off to the house. Cause he doesn't want that entity to be able to, you know, use him that way. Yeah. And he called it straight up. He's like, you're the one being used. You're the one in danger. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to switch it up. There was something that I found to be pretty horrifying. It was pretty common back in the seventies. And uh, that was Mrs. Barrett's blue eyeshadow. Holy shit. <laughs> that shit was intense. <laughs> She's going it's to bed and her that. her eyeshadow is like up to here. And I'm like, you're going to clean your face? Dang. She's trying to send it's the signal out to her husband. There's a really good independent, uh, it's not really a horror film, but it, it's it's horror adjacent film called The Love Witch that came out a few years ago. 
and it it harkens back to this time period and like the lady in the movie uses all those like makeup styles and stuff like that that they did back the day you know the blue eyeshadow and all that stuff to kind of get that 70s vibe or whatever it's kind of interesting yeah that hair bouffant she had going on too was pretty uh pretty impressive uh but it made her look so plain jane then as soon as her hair came down and had the waves and everything she had then she had the look going on for sure um the one thing that I liked as far as like a scene that kind of built it, I mean, it's not like it's relative, like we've said, just because of the time period and difference from what we're used to. But I did like that scene at the end where, you know, they think the house is clear. <laughs> they ran the machine and then the scientist is there by himself. And all of a sudden it just starts ticking like a Geiger counter. And oh, just yeah. Like, no, no, you know, like he, he just refuses to believe that it didn't work. It was the Richter scale. I like how he was just yeah. flat out, he was screaming that he was rejecting it. And it's like, mm, that's not how this works. <laughs> well, some current scientists say that they can dictate what nature does, but we won't go into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Just refute it. Um, <laughs> um as far as the, uh, how'd you feel about the story itself? I mean, you know, I'll get into a little bit more about in my rating or whatever, but like, how did you, how did you all feel about the story? Did it, did it work for you? Was it too much of a, you know, a take on the haunting to kind of register? I mean, how did you feel about that? I didn't register so much that it was, you know, ex almost exactly the haunting, but it did seem for sure to me, it was kind of the same shit, different day. What? Mm-hmm. In terms of a haunting story from back in the day, because I remember we've reviewed quite a few already. Yeah. Of the similar time era, so I mean, it's not like it was bad, but yeah, it's just like, oh, this is the same repetitive stuff. So you know that that's just what was going on in my head as I'm watching this, kind of waiting for something a little bit different. I think that's pro probably why they threw so much innuendo in this, and so much you know sexual tension on top of the scary tension. You know, in this, it it just made it somewhat different just in that aspect alone. Funny thing about that is the book goes way farther than this did. Like, I mean, that's that's part of the trivia, but like uh, Matheson deliberately took the book, which is way more graphic, has way more, you know, sex and uh, gore, as it were, like, you know, uh, uh, type things like that. And he ratcheted them down so that, you know, thinking that it was better for, you know, I, I don't know if it just translated better to the screen or if he was conscious of the time period that they were in. But, like, that's why this movie was a, like a PG movie, like whenever it could have very been a, very well been a hard R just because he did. He cut out so much of his own book when he translated it. Well, yeah, because in this time you could <laughs> unless you were a porno movie, you couldn't have this kind of shit mainstream. <laughs> like this was dialed up pretty good considering it was supposed to be a mainstream film. Um, what do you think, Noah? Like what, how did you feel about the story itself? I, I liked it. it. It did a really good job of tension building from the get go going into the place. I, the smoke was a little overkill, but I mean, for the most part, it, the directing was good. The shots were good. I, I, I'd liked. It's weird to me. There was a lot of, not, I wouldn't say bad gaps, but there's gaps of trying to understand it. But it all makes sense at the end when you get the twist. I like the twist at the end. At it, how it ended up being this one guy that had figured out a way to protect himself in, in that situation. 
And, and the interesting thing is, I, I think that it, it's scientifically, it sounds plausible. I mean, even if yes. it's, you know, I mean, lead line walls, keeping in the electromagnetic residue and all that stuff. I mean, it, it, it you know, because they, they say that some of those, like, I mean, the places that are most haunted, I mean, you know, the people who are in that sort of thing say that, like, like schools and all that that have like this material that's like able to absorb like, you know, sounds and, you know, and stuff like that. Or the, you know, it, it could just be that the material itself is like, you know, aiding in that feeling that it's haunted and that kind of, the, the explanation made more sense that way, I thought. Well, the thing too, when you, when you start breaking down the science, you're running inconsistencies too. Like the whole idea of like using the lead and it's like, you could have built a Faraday cage that would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, but yeah, but you're talking about a you're talking about a story that was written in like the '60s that they they, they, they had they Faraday probably, cages. I mean, they they knew the uh, understanding because if you're going to touch a high powered uh, voltage line, you wear a Faraday suit so your body gets a surface charge of whatever the voltage is so you can climb on it and work on it. The tech, the information was there. I just I don't know if it would have resonated with the public as much either. They're going, what the hell is a Faraday cage? But if you just say yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, had that, that aspect. That's probably of it. The, the main reason. What? No, I'm just, I'm agreeing. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, because the average person is going to be like, what? what you'd have to, a, you'd have to sit there and explain case, it. And yeah. then that's just not something that you really have time for in these type of movies. Yeah, but then, and not that, but then you're expecting the doctors to understand it. I mean, that one, the, the guy that died, the doctor that died might have understood it, but everybody else would have been like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. I, I did like to, I, mean, I agree with you. The main thing about this movie is tension building more than anything. It doesn't really, I mean, there's no real, I mean, there's maybe a couple of scares. I mean, the, the cat, you know, uh, some people <laughs> might, you know, back in the day. You Which, know, by the I way, mean, was played by Salem. Now, but... I don't know if you knew that. You did not have him in the list of characters. That was Salem, everybody. <laughs> and there is a rut row. The cat ends up like dead or does it because it's shown at the end of the movie. So was uh, what's the deal with the cat? Was it, you know, because you see it dead in the shower and then at the end of the movie, there's another cat looks just like it. That's like crawling along the walls. So, um, or, uh, you know, outside in the gate, I mean, outside. So it, that definitely wasn't the same cat because the cat in the room was definitely a little bit more like toned like a little skinnier, had a little more muscle going on. And the cat that was outside was a little fluffier, definitely had some more meat on its bones. It's not the same cat. I'm not well, buying it. The cat scene, that, that cat scene is very plausible. Cats are vicious, man. <laughs> like I was watching, I was like, yeah, that's what I expect from cats. Wild shit like that for no reason. They are the animal that's most likely to uh, eat you within a day of you dying oh, if, dude, you, if they're still in the... <laughs> cats, it doesn't matter how domesticated they are. They're predatory animals at the end of the day. <laughs> they would kill us if they could. Women are the same way. We we would... That's. I mean, some have been successful in killing, but... Wow. That's why we cry a lot. We get so frustrated because we would do it if we could. We just want to murder. <laughs> why would you let me kill you? Pretty much. <laughs> um... As far as the uh, one thing I wanted to say about the visuals, we've already talked about the special effects. I mean, for the movie, something you don't notice, and I didn't notice until like I heard the director say it, and then upon rewatch, is that that he he was specifically one of those directors that loved like the uh, tracking shot. That's where you move the dolly in with the camera, and like you use that to like you know yeah. kind of set the tone for the I scene. I noticed that, and. I, it's it's pretty well used in this movie. I mean, he has a point where he says that 
you know, you can ruin a scene by if you do it too quickly, it's more comedic. If you do it slower, it's more horror slash drama. You know, there's a mix there. But there's scenes where, like, especially for for Florence Tanner, where, like, she's, like, there's a scene of her, like, looking like she's kind of disturbed or, like, thinking about what's going on in the house, and he just pans around her, and it, it's it's kind of an iconic-looking shot, the way that he, you know, kind of, like, moves, you know, like, he keeps it on her face, but he, like, m- he keeps the camera moving or whatever, so it's not a static shot, and I think yeah. that's interesting. The, I'm, I'm kind of curious at the, about the machine he used. So, what, he put off an EMP, or what did he do? He didn't really get... It's, it's kind of the, yeah, it kind of hints that it's like a mini MP, EMP or something. Like it just kind of like does like this electrical discharge that kind of like uh, ionizes the air or something and removes like the, you know, whatever energy's built up in it. Uh, you what, know, why did they have to, to leave extent. them? Uh, because in the, the movie logic, it could affect their hearts or something, you know, as far as like when the, the discharge went off, it could affect their, you know, like the, the pulse of, you know, their beating of their heart or something. So they had to be, be out of range of it. So they wouldn't, okay. wouldn't potentially send them in that, you know, uh, AFib or whatever, you know, was going to go on with it. I thought it was hilarious how he's rushing them out the door and he's like, hurry now on our way. And then he stops and he just takes like a <laughs> slow, long pause look behind him. I'm like, Move, motherfucker. That machine sounds like it's going to blow because I did not know what was going to happen with this this machine. But I did a little research, and legend says that three or four of those machines can do what one cell phone today can do. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> going back to our 35 computers for the... <laughs> not just oh, computers. Yeah, like computers for... The size of a couch. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, when we did the Frighteners, um, some of the uh, ghost scenes that they had in that one, uh, they they used 35 computers to basically edit that film. And it gave them one whole terabyte of, or yes. one and a half terabytes of like uh, of, of data they could use. You know how much <laughs> that was back then? <laughs> That's insane. A terabyte was massive back then. And then they used, when oh, did, yeah. and then what did he use those computers for after that? Oh, uh, Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? Oh, just Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's nothing big, you know. Yeah, no, no big deal. But he's like, I have all these computers. Peter I've, Jackson. I've, uh, I've commented about this before and I've got to rag on it again. Peter Jackson in the early 2000s when he made Lord of the Rings uh, somehow created better CGI than they're going to have in, in this billion-dollar Amazon you know TV show. I mean, they've already showed, like, images, and the CGI is shit compared to what he did back in the day. So, you know, just throwing that out there. <laughs> so what you're saying is they should have used two cell phones instead of one. <laughs> maybe maybe they should have got a couple of iphones instead of just the one that they're using to film it or yeah. whatever so <laughs> um acting in this movie i mean <laughs> if you're gonna uh, i think that roddy mcdowell steals the movie i, I think mean, i think all the just, actors are good yeah they did good they they're all good but every scene that roddy mcdowell's in it's like he draws the focus like just i, I, I mean, think a lot of his characters go for it buddy I was just going to say probably because his character is like the one that's like bigger than life in the movie. Like, you know, cause you know, uh, Clive is more like reserved, you know, and then like, you know, that Gail or, you know, or Anne is, uh, you know, she's supposed to be like, you know, quiet and, you know, meek when she's not like rubbing on, you know, statue titties and everything else that she does <laughs> in the movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that was a pretty good scene. Oh, and, I bet. Uh, and it, it was. <laughs> 
Is these what these and, feel um, like? <laughs> yes, they feel just like and statue it, titties. Well, let's just give, I mean, we should give an award to Roddick McDowell for, I mean, I mean, you know, like if, if somebody like with that, I don't know, like the way she was coming on to him, I mean, it, you know, for him, I mean, either his character was gay, which, it, you know, he could have been like, they didn't give that, you know, out, but like he could have been, or he was just, you know, very reserved and like respectful because like anybody else been like, all right, you know, if you're down, I'm down, you know, that sort of thing. I, so. Well, I, I think he knew the house was fucking with everybody. He's the only person oh, he that, knew really, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so he, he slapped some sense under that bitch. He he was basically saying, knowing that it was non consensual. So he he is a gentleman, uh, in addition to being a scholar. So yes. there you go. Well, she started talking <laughs> shit, and wouldn't you know, he reached back like a pimp and he slapped that hoe. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then Florence Tanner, I mean, I think that she did a, a great job with like the, you know, the character who's, you know, kind of, you know, high on her own supply when it comes to like being, you know, religious and, you know, thinking that she's got the answers to everything. And then whenever, you know, and just, she's as bad as Clive in the movie when you break it down, because like he's non-believing, doesn't believe any of it's like, you know, an actual ghost. And then she's way too like gullible and like giving in to all of it. And none of them are listening to, you know, Ben when he's trying to tell them the truth of the matter. Yeah, that's true. They were both on the far ends of the of the spectrum of I believe and I don't believe. You, you know, what was a big thing that I, that I liked about it was the 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 classical acting. Like watching the actors from from the movie, it's a drastic difference from what you get at actors nowadays. Like <laughs> well, that's the, for sure. The yeah. acting was hell good. Like it, it like it's they did a really good job of nailing the the movie. Yeah. What do you think about it, Urena? You, you've kind of been like quiet about like the acting of it. It's an old film. I mean, it's pretty. I don't. I'm not an actor or an actress, so I can't really. Yeah, speak but the, on... the whole goal is you want to you want to feel like the movie's believable. So, and th that's what the movie did. It did a good job of selling how believable it was. Yeah, I, I think so, especially compared to what we get nowadays. I don't know. It it gets for so at times it gets kind of boring to me. For some reason, I don't know. I don't do very was well with enough older explosions. Films. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, I think of the movies that we've covered. I think that this one is the. I mean, because the source material, the legit. I mean, this is the point where I'll just bring it up. Legend of Hell House is one of the best horror novels I've ever read. I'll put it up there, like one of the in my top ten. Uh, all the Stephen Kings I've read, everything. I mean, Stephen King was i mean he he was inspired by matheson i mean you know he he even says that that and uh, robert e howard are some, two of his biggest influences and of course some hp lovecraft thrown in there but um so the book not i don't feel like the horror of the book translated to the movie quite the same way if you read that book i mean like i just read that book like i want to say like seven years ago or something way after i was long jaded in about horror movies and books and everything else and it still had me on the edge of my seat in some scenes like that scene where they first discover the body mm -hmm. plays out drastically different in the book because it's like there's a slow build up the person is trapped in there with the with the thing. It's moving toward them. It's actually Ew. crawling and like you know, there there's a lot, yeah, uh, uh, more stuff, you know. And um, I think that this movie would be a great remake. Like now, I mean, if if they didn't make it ultra woke and do all that, you stupid know, they're shit gonna do it, that. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, if they took it and they updated it with the 
the then put more of the horror back into it that was originally in the novel. This this is one of those movies that would actually benefit that way. I, I think it would translate good too because you'd take all the technology out of it and you'd cut try to go from that that time error too. Because what what was the time error that the, that logistically the movie took place in? It was like what the sixties or something like that. No, it had to be 60s. like 70s. Yeah. yeah. Where computers were just breaking ground. Well, yeah, considering they had that fucking couch-sized ATM machine. Yeah. That was when Solid State was just finally hitting the market. <laughs> um, I think that if they if they were to do a remake, I mean, aside from you guys mentioning, okay, let's not go too woke with it or whatnot. Uh, same thing. It needs to be set in that time era. For it to thematically make sense. Also, I wouldn't want them to go too crazy with the CGI. That's some. That's where some movies go wrong, as we've previously discussed. Sometimes they do a great job, but if if they did that movie with a combination of CGI and practical, especially like the corpse, like crawling after you know the 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 purse or Florence, I think is the one that, that gets attacked. I think it's actually maybe Ben that find, that gets attacked by one of the bodies at some point in the story. But like, I mean, because there's multiple attacks that goes on. This movie like cut out a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But if you did the practical for the the stuff that's actually coming after them, you know, augmented the CGI for the stuff like the ectoplasm and the stuff like that. I think you'd you'd have a winner on your hands, and actually, I would prefer as opposed to what Noah was saying instead of and like and agreeing with you, Urena, instead of setting it like now, like keep that '60s you know vibe, but you know use modern technology to make it, you know, like you know that way, because you think about it, I mean, the woke people should enjoy a movie like this regardless, because the fact of, I mean, Florence Tanner is like a is like a female minister i mean that right there is like for its time was like pretty big I yeah mean, like that was you know a pretty big thing and um so i mean it you know it, it's one of those things where i feel like if they i feel like it would do better if it was like a new movie but like a period piece like set in that time period see i didn't even you think know? about that part of it of her being in the position of power especially back then that had to be yeah, super it's, it's, abnormal yeah it's a it's a pretty big thing for the time for that time or whatever the only i mean Anne's the only stereotypical character of the bunch you know being the you know just the mousy housewife that turns into a, a freak on a leash as it were after the after the you know her husband goes to bed but i mean um it's but i mean that that stuff could be played i mean there, there could be i mean they could work something into it without going full-on woke like they could even work in her repressed sexuality for the time period you know into it and and that would play into their whole thing but the problem is they don't know subtlety yeah and that's the reason that i mean there's nothing wrong with i mean because this movie was cons- probably considered woke for its time but i mean you know it, it's one of those things because you know it's one of those things where if if you work it in like subtly and you and you get your point across that way, then it's a lot better than just beating somebody over the head with it. That's why they you know they they say sometimes the left can't meme. It's because they don't know that the the meme itself is not. I mean it it holds the nugget of truth you're trying to, but it it like gives you like you know in a palatable way as opposed to just saying you know here's a bowl of shit I want you to eat it. You know they they, they you know they kind of you know work it in that way. I could see them making all the characters lesbians, and then we'd have a. I think I downloaded the wrong movie. There, there might be one. To be honest, I mean, it's the Legend of Whorehouse. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, and evil madam was the one who originally owned the place and she's the one that's the the ghost that's making all the women strip their clothes off and commit all these <laughs> terrible <laughs> lesbian <laughs> the whores on haunted hill <laughs> um music i mean we we I mentioned that it was uh, the electronic score. I don't feel like the music really stood out in this movie. It was your typical 70s. It, it, you know what? It actually reminded me a little. There was moments where I almost got a little bit of Thrasher uh, vibe. Wow, yeah. Entity. Well, especially at the beginning. Yeah. You know, it had that going on. Which, what it. was that? That was kind of out of place at the very beginning. I, I thought it was. Like, it was. it was a good... Like it would have done very well in the scene where they're getting ready to find quotation mark Daniel's body, you know, but oh yeah, yeah. Right at the beginning, they kind of had it, and it was just them looking at each other, like boom, 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 and I'm like, or why though? <laughs> what was to gain from that? I'm like, I think it was just something new they had discovered. They're like, ooh, let's check this out right here. Turn down for what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would, if there was a modern remake of this, that would definitely be it. Like that would be played in the background or something. That'd be awful. Aye, aye, aye. Um, uh, so you want to get into the trivia? You got anything else you want to discuss about the movie? I'm, I want to get into the trivia. I actually want to know what other older movies do you suggest of like their kind of quality of this era? Quality of this era. I'd have to. I mean, I, this honestly, movie was I hella good. Say, I I could rewatch this movie. Actually, it. I liked it. I thought it was. I, there, I, I'm sure you I, could I like with the too. fucking statue titties. <laughs> really? <laughs> this I could watch any modern movie and see titties all day long. <laughs> yeah, but something about statue titties. They're harder. I would have to sit down and think about it. I, I'm sure I've got some that I, I would recommend and I'll, I'll try to, you know, send that to you, you know, or send that by Urena at some point so you can like, you know, but I mean, this is, this is one that, I mean, of the time period that kind of stands out. I mean it, you know, but there's, but there were others that were kind of along the same lines um, as far as how they did them. So, but I just, the top of my, you know, head here like i don't know like I, I don't know any that really stands out to me i feel like the hammer horror movies were in the same vibe as this and they would have been good for the and they were around the same time period 60s 70s and you have classic actors and those i mean uh, um one of the lord of the rings you know actors in particular was in that uh but um that played Saruman, but like, I don't, but I mean, they're the only ones that's coming to my mind right now, like off top of my head. Yeah. I just haven't watched a lot of horror movies in seventies. I've always kind of shade shaded it off. Like they ain't good. And then I watched this one. I was like, this is hella good. You were high as balls. They, it was still a good movie. I don't care how high it was. It was hella good. The actors did a good um, job of selling the movie. Like they, they nailed what the intent was. Yeah, they uh, and they uh, they they got across the 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 tension that I think yes. that was uh, that they was intended in the and because when he cut back all the the more out there stuff from the novel, that's kind of what he was more going for with it. it, it I um, just I liked how the movie you couldn't really quite tell what was going on up until the very very end twist. Like you had you had thing, information, but not enough to really figure out what was going on. 
Well, that's the one thing I like over, uh, of it over the original Haunting movie. I mean, I, I, I like the original Haunting, the black and white one, although, I mean, it, it's kind of dull in parts, and they don't really show anything, and it's kind of hinted it's more in the, you know, the Eleanor's head or whatever, but... Oh, I, did, I, like I didn't realize this, this was one, a... This is an actual remake? It's not a remake. It's just he kind of took that. But that's what I was getting ready to say is that, like, he took that base and he said, well, I want more stuff to actually happen. And I like the fact that there actually is a threat. They are getting attacked this entire, you know, somebody's getting attacked through most of this movie, whether it be, you know, Anne getting possessed. Ben's not getting attacked because he knows how to block it out. But uh, even Clive is getting attacked and he doesn't even realize he's getting physically attacked through Florence uh, just because um, – you know, she's allowing herself to be, you know, like basically, you know, like be, you know, uh, influenced so much by the house. And since Clive is one that's mentally shut off from any of that stuff and he can't be affected that way, the house is physically attacking him through her through most of it. I mean, you know, he's got knives thrown at him. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and, and all that stuff through through most of the movie. So the only one who's not getting attacked Ben, and that's just because he's been there before and he nearly died in the process. This and he knows how to shut it out. Do you think that this is where that band Florence and the Machine got their name? <laughs> you know, that's interesting because the machine uh, that that very well could be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both were useless in the movie, but I mean, well, not entirely useless, but you know, <laughs> they didn't get to complete their tasks. <laughs> And neither did Anne. <laughs> oh. Uh, but um, speaking of Anne, um, Rev- Reverend Dr. Death has one ghostly uh, statue titty right behind him up on that wall. He's got a boob light. <laughs> got a boob light. <laughs> did you not know you had a You know you have a boob light. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the nipple <laughs> up there, yeah. Anyways, back to the trivia. <laughs> All right. Uh, The original novel was set in New England with an American team of psychic investigators, uh, but the storyline was changed to fit the movie's production in England with British actors playing the investigators. Oh, cheerio. Do you know what I'm curious? When when was the book originally written? I don't really remember that. You want to look that up while I'm reading? I'll Google it right now. I'm I'm really curious because if, I mean, the, the book, did the book hit? used uh or cover the use of electronics in the in the book yes yeah it actually did i mean it was more it was told from a little bit more of a i don't know i feel like it was you know more esoteric like you know they kind of like the you know matheson was kind of making some things up but the funny thing is a lot of those you know writers back in the day they made things up that later became real so it was like you know um it was one of those things where it was like he kind of envisioned what it might be like and then you know kind of wrote it okay so the book uh came out in 1971 that's when it was published so okay. maybe 1970 very shortly yes okay very sh- very shortly before this what, the, and, the, um, the original movie that you kind of handed on the one that's black and white um, what, what was the name of that movie it's just the haunting it's it's the shirley jackson the haunting which is the haunting of hill house or whatever but like he uh Matheson, 
you know, reference that as being like, you know, he saw, he, he saw that or at least read Shirley Jackson's novel. And he was like, I like the basis for that, but I don't, but I want more to be happening. So that's kind of where his story came from. That's why he called it hell house versus hill house. You know, it's even got that reference. Yeah. Um, the unsettling tales of Emmerich Belasco. So it's Belasco. I've been saying Belasco the entire time. I thought it was Belasco. Uh, he wrote, she um, wrote a B. What are you talking about? That's true. <laughs> I know what the B was for, uh, Eric Belasco's acts of debauchery and evil at Hell House were loosely based on stories involving occultist Aleister Crowley. Um, you know, and that's whenever he says the movie sadism, necrophilia, bestiality. I forgot about that part. That's even, you know, it's pretty bad too. So that cat might have had reasons to be mad, guys. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know, had, I bet you the cat has um, monkeypox. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the cat was trying to attack her because she had Belasco inside of her, literally and or physically at that <laughs> time, and uh, it, it just wanted it payback for the fact that of what maybe happened to it or its ancestors. Oh. <laughs> the cat's is like, you see the size uh, of this butthole? What are you trying to do? Rose. <laughs> <laughs> the old. The old books that Ann Barrett sees lined up in the cabinet are titled from left to right, Obsessive Acts and Religious Practices by Sigmund Freud. Oh. The Worship The Worship of Priapus by Richard Payne. And and by the way, Priapism is what they call it nowadays whenever like you take Viagra and like your erection won't end and they have to go actually drain the blood from it to keep you from losing your, you know, uh <laughs> you know. Uh so the worship of Priapus, you're basically worshiping an erection. So yeah. that's kind of interesting. By Richard Payne Knight. The Psychology of Sex by H.H. H. Ellis. Uh, Sin and Sex, uh, Conation Volition. Uh, and then Sex and Celibacy by T. Long. Um, the Anatomy of Abuses by Philip Stubbs. And then Phallic, phallic Worship and Autoerotic Phenomena in Adolescence by K. Menzies. <laughs> Those are some, I mean, even the names of some of the, the writers, T. Long and Phil yeah. Stubbs, I mean, come on, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Dick Payne. Well, it's technically <laughs> Richard Payne, but you know. <laughs> Funny how he wrote a book. This, yeah. The new version of this would have something by T. Payne in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Writer Richard Matheson toned down the graphic violence and more intense sexual scenes of his novel to give the screenplay for the film a more brooding atmosphere. So there you go. Okay. He he he, he didn't want it to be out there so that he could build up the tension. But that's what I'm saying. I think a remake could do very well by going the opposite route and actually taking that stuff from the novel and like making it because I think that would fit with today's audience better. Oh yeah. And it would only be rated um, PG-13 in those times. <laughs> probably yes. And then somebody would probably start playing, you know, um, uh, you know, D WAP or whatever as the <laughs> movie started, you know, whenever the title scene comes up. Oh. <laughs> Early in the film, in her and her husband's bedroom, Anne Barrett is seen holding the novel Sentimental Education by 19th century French author Gustave Flambert. Uh, uh, the novel was no doubt deliberately chosen for her to hold by the filmmaker since much of the novel is about passion, sex, and desire, making it fit in well with the highly sexualized and erotic nature of much of the film. It also foreshadows her later scenes and hints at her repressed sexuality. So she was reading some sexy stuff even before she went into the house, folks. Yeah. So, so I don't get it. Was, was he not nailing her and that what it was? Or was it that she was 
the ghost. Like it never really kind of fully encapsulates. It, he wasn't giving her the kind of stuff she wanted. Like, well, even if they were having sex, I think she wanted like it turned up a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the ghost brought that out. Her being sexually repressed is oh, is basically a way for any kind of spirit to possess her. Basically, any kind of sadness or weakness. See, but her character didn't really come off as sexually repressed. That kind of gets lost in translation. That wasn't. I mean, it it doesn't. I don't know. It it's weird because I because he's, gonna... he's a logical guy. And so he's using like reason, like he, he, there's not stigma blocking his thought process. So you think out of all the characters, she'd be the one that wouldn't not, that would not be repressed. I mean, you would think, I think he was, I just got the impression that he was so wound up in everything he was doing. He's getting sent to all these places and yeah, she follows him and everything, but women also can shut that off for a long time. But he's in the back room jerking off to ectoplasm. Yeah, pretty much with ectoplasm, probably. As using yeah, it as lotion. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> women can put that away for a while, but then when it starts to get bad, it starts to affect them emotionally more than anything. Shit starts fucking with their mind, too. And so she was just an open portal for any kind of spirit to come in and fuck her world up, literally and physically. Yeah, she, uh, and like I said, I think I think it was a combination of he was out doing his, you know, his stuff or whatever and focused on his, like, job more than he was on her. And it was a combination of that plus the fact that, I mean, I really get the vibes from this movie that, like, even if they have sex, like, she's not into just playing, like, you know, missionary, whatever. It's like she wants she wants some harder stuff going on. If you, if you she want wants to take anal it that way, BDSM or whatever it is. Well, so. and let's not forget clearly, the, clearly the actor is older than the actress. I don't know by how much, but it shows in the film. Like she's younger for sure. And they did. I know they did that a lot in this time era, but like that shit can affect you. You know, successful older men. Want to nail young hot things? Well, she's young and hot, and Nothing's she's not changed. getting nailed. So, not in the way she <laughs> wants to be, anyways. Uh, actor Michael Goh spent a very brief time on the production, which is why he is uncredited. Aside from his short appearance in the film's finale, I think he's the one that shows up as they're leaving or something. Uh, Goh's only other contributions to the film were a few recorded lines of dialogue. Um, he might also be the guy that delivers the equipment to him, like. Uh, you know, in like middle of it or something, but he's not in it very much. That's the reason I didn't lace. I'm not going to lie. That was going through my head. How in the hell did they get the equipment in the house? Cause I was looking yeah, at the he- front door <laughs> and then I was looking at the equipment. I was like, how'd this happen? What magic took place for this to get in here? Well, the, the story has more time to, or has a little bit more about that. I, I, I think it like, I think it occurs over maybe if it, if it's the same time period, then it, it, it goes more into detail, but it came in in parts like sections that could fit through the door and then he had to assemble them. Okay. And you know, and that's kind of the reason why he was pissed off whenever Florence went over there and was like, Oh, well, I'm just want to look at it. I'm going to beat the shit out of this machine. You know, it's like, and which is funny because that goes along with the Florence and the machine thing. That honestly was probably <laughs> what they, they came, they watched that scene and they're like, okay, we're, we're making that's the name of our band. There you go, folks. <laughs> I have let the cat out of the bag. And that crazy pussy will just keep on attacking. You, too. <laughs> you, go. you got to beat it down with the broom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Richard Matheson wanted Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor to star in this film. I don't think Elizabeth Mm-mm. Taylor would have been a good. Yeah, she was. Man. She was gone. She was done. <laughs> Let sleeping dogs lie. 
In the seventies? Um, yeah, she was. That was. I I don't think she was. She even, was. I, I think the seventies was the start of her like very bad addiction period. If I oh, remember, okay. yeah, she, was, like, she, she was. She was doing the disco scene. I think it would have just been too much. Like some of those actors and actresses back in the day just were, were very um, highfalutin and very. Wait, how is that any different from now? Well, that too. But I'm just saying. <laughs> now it's just transparent. Yeah, but they go on Twitter and say some dumb shit. Like, yeah, but at least person. they pretend to be a little bit more down to earth versus back uh, then they were like, "No, I want this, 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 this." You I know? think some actors are down to earth, but a majority of them are not. No, I, I agree with you. And it's but, transparent for everybody you now. Oh god, but and it's very well known now who isn't. Like you hear real fast who's easy to work with in Hollywood and who's not. So it's just a matter if they're worth it for the production. Clearly, she wasn't. So we know Ezra Miller isn't anymore. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently you can do all kinds of really bad stuff. And as long as you apologize and you're over yes. rich and, and all that, then you can get away with it because that's, that's all that's happening with that. That I didn't realize shit. he, so he was go. running multiple cults around the U S. Oh yeah. He's, he's got all kinds of stuff on the back burner. I, and I don't think this is all a PR stunt just so they can get the flash out there and released and with, you know, without it totally, it's still going to bomb, but, <laughs> uh, or at least I think it will. But I mean, you know, it's just a way for them to say, okay, we're still making this movie, but we've got to have you apologize. So at least it looks like we made an attempt because, I mean, everybody's been bringing, you know, that up about Warner Brothers. They're like, you know, uh, when are you going to call your boy back in? Like, he, he's off the reservation at this point, literally and figuratively, because he stole that one girl from the <laughs> reservation. But, um, <laughs> well, and, and, and so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, and that's their way. They're just like, well, just have a mission apology. That, that'll be all that we need. So back in the day, it was bad to try to cure someone's gayness, I guess you could say. But <sighs> they're trying to send him to rehab to cure his potential addiction. And I don't know, the fact that he likes people underage. And I don't know what he's doing with these women with kids. Technically, he's non-binary, so he doesn't have an age or whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. No, <laughs> that's I, what he said. He's I'm non non I'm non-binary. What is that? Is that a scapegoat or is that something serious? What the fuck are we talking so about? So you can seek treatment for that, okay? And and then it's just okay. So how's that working in the treatment? They either give you a one or a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're. I don't know what their plans are with that one. But, okay, my next question is, do you think these women are hypnotized or mesmerized by him? Because everyone's like, oh, my God, we go to these places where these women it's are. And money they and seem power. Like, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's just, uh, I think that yeah. they're willingly being yeah. involved. You get a bunch of young oh, girls. They, they, they're money's just throwing being, their kids at them. Yeah. Like, that's how people operate. Realistically, no, I won't say everybody, but if you're in the city and you're attached to anything that you that you admire entertainment and you get a, some fucking A-list actor flashing himself in, in his money, talking about all this. It, it's money. And, and power. <laughs> when you get to cut in front of the line everywhere you go, that's kind of a big deal. I don't think they're going anywhere, though. I think they're just staying in their fucking whatever But it's the potential a... that if he does that's take true. me somewhere, we can cut in line. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tangent. Uh, and there's... And there's potential that he might give them a massive payout whenever he does the Correct. inevitable and like somehow messes their kid up. So there's yeah. that. Come yeah. on. You didn't touch my daughter. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
while the film was uh, uh, released in the U.S. with a PG rating, in the U.K. it was giving uh, given an X rating at first. Now, wow! What kind of what kind of fucking censors did they have in the U.K. to look at this movie and say, "Nah, this ain't going." Yeah, work. because aren't you they a lot more what? like liberal with us when it comes to sex? With nudity, sex, yeah. You yeah. know what? There there was a scene where she was laying in bed and the scars on her chest looked like nipples. Oh yeah, I did see that too. It was like right, right at the top, and yeah. it just—it looked like a nipple. And I was like, I was "Oh wait, that's like, where she is that got." Is that a titty hanging out? No, that's a scar. Wow! It looked like but it. The don't... thing is, but the thing is, the UK would be more like, okay, those cat scratches are just too much, too violent. We're we're gonna give an X rating. I mean, they're more likely to do that than yeah. you know they are. I mean, about tits being on the screen. I mean, let's be honest. I mean. Yeah, because fucking what's her name, that. Mrs. Barrett was fucking tuning in Tokyo on the fucking statue, so. <laughs> uh, once James H. Nicholson left AIP, American International Pictures, to become an independent producer, this and Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, 1974, turned out to be his only post-AIP productions, as he was stricken by a brain tumor and died shortly thereafter. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Uh, those are uh, that that other uh, Dirty Mary Crazy Larry is also another film by the same director that directed this. So it was kind of like he, you know, they worked together, you know, back to back on those. Well, what was uh, that movie th- about? I'm kind of curious. I, had, I I think it's I think it's more like a satirical like uh, slice of life type thing. But I, I don't really know because I didn't really study that. I just know he mentioned it quite a bit that he he followed it up and you know he used some of the same the stuff he learned on this movie to kind of you know make you know make that one. Um, the shot of the cat in the opening credit sequence, uh, five minutes and thirty one seconds in, was later used for Granada Night Time. Uh, the Granada nighttime indent on the ITV network in the U- United Kingdom in 1988. So they took a scene from this movie and used it as their like little, you know, like this is our network, you know, identifying, you know, picture or whatever. That's kind of weird. Like, wow. I don't, okay. Random, it's like a, we like that cat, so let's do it. A side note: you, you ever you ever miss on how they used to do back back in the day when we we're well, how old are you now? Same age as us. Yeah, so remember back yeah. in the day when every Friday and Saturday they there'd be a late night local network that played horror movies. Oh yeah, yeah, I, we I, talked I, about that. Yeah, I I I missed that that time of when, when things like that were on, and I remember the one out here you could actually call in because it was that the parts where he was doing the thing was live, so you can call in between commercials when he has this little thing, and they were taking calls that night. We never had a big enough city around here to have a horror host, but I think like the Midwest had, you know, some of those that are even, I mean, still out there or whatever. So, I mean, it was, uh, there was a lot of them around the country though, especially the, you know, like the, the coast or whatever had them. I know like Florida, New York, you know, California, they all had their own and, uh, Chicago, I had, I think, you know, was the, the big one for the Midwest. Yeah. Um, they don't have that in them their parts. In, but, but we did have we did have a like a, a TV you know like that's what they would run at night just on the locals or whatever it was like once it got past like you know eleven or twelve or whatever the news I think the news ended at around twelve eleven thirty or twelve you would see like you know Frankenstein or something on you know they always showed like old black and white horror movies. See, I think that I you could do so much with that idea now, but the thing is, this IP locked down all the movies, so you can't play them all without getting the rights. It'd be awesome to reintroduce that idea of playing. Like, because you can do a YouTube channel every Friday night. You're playing horror movies from, like, 10 till 2, and it's live, so you can call in and, and talk. 
in real time, like do commercial breaks in the whole nine. Well, we know for sure they could play Night of the Living Dead. Oh, can you? Yeah. You absolutely yeah, can. There's no copyright. So. That would be cool for you guys to do a live stream one night and do that movie. Oh, God, we could, huh? And, and you can get people to call in and everything, too. Well, that's true. There's only one. Uh, there's only one cut of that that Richard Rubenstein did, where he added in some extra scenes, which are all supposed to be shitty as hell. And we'll get into that when we cover it <laughs> zombie season. But um, like that, you can't show because he did copyright that version. But the original version, unfortunately for Romero and his, you know, family, that that was not copyright. So I mean, you know, that, it's free game. That'd be kind of cool to do that. I feel like there is, okay, so there's a thriller channel on, okay, there's a thriller, a horror, a terror, black cinema, which I think, I, I thought it was mostly uh, scary movies, but it could just be black people. Um, but there, Just like white people had their own westerns, black yes. people got their own inner cities. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they have uh, three channels on uh, Pluto alone. Well, Pluto just added Alter, so Alter is now on Pluto. I don't know what Alter is. You, you, you ever watch it? You ever uh, follow the Alter channel on YouTube? No. Reverend? Uh, I've never. I've never watched it. Oh, dude, it's awesome. So they, it's all independent, small, like 10, maybe 15 minutes at the max horror uh, small uh, well, movies. Sp- speaking of that, Noah, you might be one. Uh, we might get you involved in this because that's your thing anyways. We talked about doing like mini episodes each week that like releases like middle of the week week where we review those oh the, those things are awesome I, and, and, i'll sit down and binge like with the kids i'll binge like two hours of like a total of 15 movies uh, we're, we're talking about like taking like just one 10 minute video like you know it's kind of like what do we say that it was slasher pass isn't that what we oh yeah slasher pass as yeah, like you just give it a, a quick rating, like not like, you know, any five out of five or anything. Would you watch it? Do you recommend it? Slasher pass, you know, kind of like a tender thing, like, you know, as you're swapping through. That'd be awesome, man. I just like the way the market's set up now because you have so many independent movies and the, the equipment cost is so low that they can just turn movies out without a big studio production. And then well, alter. They have better cameras in their phones than Correct. filmmakers yeah. had back in the 70s. Well, no, not just like the, the, for editing, like you can get by with the laptop now and do amazing editing. Like it's gotten so good now. Um, so for reference, uh, I'm looking at Pluto Horror right now, and I know later tonight they're playing Friday the 13th, uh, Quarantine is playing right now, Insidious is playing in the middle of the day, their terror channel has uh, The Wailing, uh, Slender, which I am guessing is about Slender Man. Yeah, the movie sucked. Uh, when a Stranger Calls, <laughs> they just have multiple um, yeah, things. I, I want to say Alter's new when they added. Um, but I have seen the kids watch a channel where it's playing older horror films. Yeah. And they fell asleep watching almost like black and white horror films. Some of those are really yeah. good still. There, I mean, those options out there, it's just uh, with the YouTube, like the way the copyright strikes go, We, I mean, I've, I've seen other channels where if they do any kind of commentary, they have they they film themselves as they're watching the movie, and they tell you when they boot it up. They tell you what like scene they're on, like when they you know like the oh line yeah, for MGM gets ready to roar, and what? then they tell you to press play, and then they comment over the movies it plays that way because that's the only real way. Because they they had it for a while like you could keep like a small like image of it down in the bottom of the screen as long as it was very minimized. But even then, I think they started striking people for that. So you got to be real careful I, if it's I, got a copyright. If that you way. guys stream me through the the black magic box i can make an overlay that goes around 
then I can drop you and uh, Raina's image right on the screen. So it you might be able to get around the copyright because of the bordering and the the IP technology, the IP change. I think there's a certain amount of modifications you got to do where you can get around it. All right. Well, we'll yeah, look into I, it. And I think you can't be playing the audio from the movie, really. I think because that, that's one of the things. It, it, you can think copyright allows you to review or make comments or whatever, but the, I don't think you can use the real, the regular audio from the movie that way. Okay. Boo. Um, during, what do you mean, boo? Not you. This, Not you. This, that's interesting to talk about. I mean, no, no, no. I'm talking about boo that we can't use the audio. Oh I think God. that'd be the Way best. Contact. I, I, I think that'd be awesome. Turn this lights in down here in the studio dark <laughs> and have my wife watch scary movies. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a real good time. <laughs> it would be. It'd be entertaining for people to watch because you, like, freak out over scary stuff. <laughs> During the heyday of VHS, uh, Legend of Hell House was considered highly collectible. And that, that actually continues to this day because I've got the uh, Scream Factory edition of this, which I think is out of print now, but even it is like going for pretty decent money. So, I mean, it's one of those movies that's always been like very rarely produced, but like highly sought after because people do appreciate it for what it is. And, but it, it just but it doesn't have enough of a following to keep it in circulation all the time. Oh, okay. Um, despite the main characters being British, in real life, Roddy McDowell was the only cast member to have been born in Britain. Uh, Clyde Revel was from New Zealand. Pamela Franklin was born in Japan. Wow. And Gail Honeycutt hailed from America. <laughs> <laughs> so she was putting on an accent. Yeah. The movie. Anne was. It wasn't terrible. No, and she, but she wasn't in it enough, really. I mean, it had enough lines to where it made that much of a difference. Um, Whereas the style of the Belasco house in the novel was similar to 1920s America, the style shown in the movie had a more gothic look. So uh, getting back to that more gothic, you know, haunted mansion type thing or whatever. But like, I think that the the one from the, the novel is kind of interesting too, because it's one of those big palatial 1920s estates. And those are kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, they factor into a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff. Um, Filmed during October and November of 1972. This thing was only filmed over the course of two months. That's crazy. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> and I think that the director made a comment on that. It was because he had, the, they gave him like, uh, uh, you know, like, he they gave him the ultimatum that because of the budget and everything else, he had to have a quick turnaround. So that's the reason he went through and did what he did with it, like, real quick. Um and speaking of something that just came back to me now, he commented on the scene where that he was really proud of this, the scene where at the beginning of it, Roddy McDowell is being introduced where, you know, it shows him standing in front of the train and then the train like goes past and it shows, uh, you know, uh, Clive's character and then Anne, you know, like behind them in the car or whatever there to pick him up. Um, that scene, I mean, does it seem like it's much now in the age where they can like edit this stuff pretty quick? But the the fact that he was able to get that camera to automatically focus directly from the foreground to the you know to the background on that car and like you know keep everything you know just as soon as the I mean it happens just as soon as the train is passed is a pretty it's pretty big you know camera pretty big effect as far as the camera work goes so he's yeah. pretty proud of that. Um, closing credits, uh, all characters and events in this film are fictitious. Any similarity <laughs> to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Uh, so they put one of those in the movie or whatever, but they also have like an intro to this movie that says something about like the, uh, 
I believe that the that they had somebody uh, authenticate and say that the um, that the paranormal investigative process they use in the movie is like one of the the, the most uh, accurate of the time period because we talked oh, about yeah. the hypnosis and stir of echoes, but this movie is supposed to have like one of the most accurate like you know paranormal investigative you know things in it. I guess for and, its time. Um, yeah, for its time, obviously. I mean, and one of the things I remember the director saying in his commentary about the movie is that he actually truly believed in, like, the ability of mediums to, like, generate ectoplasm the way that she does in this movie, and he actually got a bunch of real mediums and had them attempt it, but none of them could produce it on film uh, to the point where they, you know, the way that it, that he wanted it to look. So that's the reason he, uh, you know, made it all up in the camera and all that, you know, and with that route. But he tried his best to get actual ectoplasm, like real ectoplasm, like on film. That's what wow. he, he, that was his goal. Like he wanted to be the first person to catch that and he never could get it to work. He died <laughs> doing the Lord's work. <laughs> So, uh, ratings, I mean, this is kind of odd since we, uh, this, you know, video versus the podcast uh, and the Stir of Echoes rating is on this, but what did you feel about Stir of Echoes? And I know Noah wasn't on the discussion, but I know he's also has kind of like a, a negative, uh, viewing of the movie too. So uh, I want to go with him first and kind of see what he thought of it. Well, my husband has turned into a ghost and disappeared. So it's just you and I right now, which is funny, but I do want to say as we're at these ratings, uh, Hey, go listen, go listen to us. I mean, go, go listen to the podcast. So we're moving forward. (laughs) We're going to do video, but Hey, go check them out. Stir of echoes. We just did that one. It is released. It's out and about anywhere. You listen to podcasts, all the main platforms. It's there. Um, so since the hubby's not here, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. I I guess Stir of Echoes is a four out of five. I, I really enjoy that movie. I've watched that movie so many friggin' times over the years, and I still enjoy it every time. I mean, there it's got its problems, and that's the reason I drop it a whole point or whatever as far as the plot, some of the extraneous stuff with the, the black cop psychic and, and all that stuff. But as far as the story... And like what's conveyed on the screen, and like we talked about with the acting with Kevin Bacon, four out of five. I I enjoy that movie every time I watch it. Yeah, um, I'm actually in agreement with you. Um, exactly, I'm a four out of five. Definitely had its things that we could pick apart, uh, little things here and there, questions that I had. You know, considering remember we talked about them being kind of a poor family, but yeah, here he is not working, <laughs> spending all his money on orange juice. No food in the house for the family whatsoever, whatever. Those things aside, um, finding out about the hypnotism scenes and how it affected people and how every time I watch this movie, it affects me and I get a headache. Uh, Second time I watched it, I got a migraine, and which makes me, it's not that I wouldn't watch the movie again. I'm a little fearful to watch it again since it's happening every time. But I think that kind of yeah, adds a, a really cool effect. Pretty big thing. Yeah. It, it, it makes me want to see the movie like, oh, is this going to happen again? This is legit, you know? So it made it that kind of much a cooler experience for me. And just to kind of recap, folks, there is, they had to change the hypnotism scene in this movie because some people were actually getting hypnotized. And so they had to add some sound effects or whatnot to kind of prevent that from happening. That's how good... The actress, which is Elena, I forgot her last name, did it. Douglas. Douglas. Elena yeah. Douglas. So 
And we don't know for a fact. I should almost watch the movie again just to see if it does happen. I would not you might, lie. You might have to skip through that scene every time you watch it if you watch yeah. it from here on out. So I, I get a headache every time I watch the movie. And so we don't know if that's related or not. So that's where we're at with it. Hubby actually just walked in right now. So let's see what his feelings were. Babe, uh, you watched Stir of Echoes just a few days ago. We both just rated it. We both gave it a four. What would you rate it and why? Uh, I like Kevin Bacon. So this is the only reason I gave it a decent rating. Oh, he was one of those housewives watching him dig through the backyard, you know? <laughs> no, Kevin Bacon's just always been a badass actor. Like I'm a fan of him. And it's just, I gave the movie like a three. Yeah. I, I, I didn't yeah. lose. No, I'm not- I, I I think they, they were trying to encapsulate the, a community. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Kevin Bacon did a good job of kind of selling you how people are from those, from like a more of a blue-collar area. But I don't know. It's just I don't. the rest of the cast didn't really sell me on it. I, I have to be bought into the story for me to like it. Okay. And I just don't, I don't I feel mean, like it happened. Like, the, the two characters I liked was the sister-in-law. She's she's a pretty badass actor. Yeah. I don't know her name off the top of my head. Elena. Yeah. Elena, what again? We just said Douglas. it. Douglas. Douglas. You know, but I will give to him, uh, Kevin Bacon's wife is pretty hot in the movie. Oh, that's so funny. I did not think she was. Really? At all. Yeah, I thought she looked like a younger Sally Field. Uh, A hotter version of that. It, well, yeah, because she's younger. You know, and she was kind of plain, and I told the Reverend, I absolutely hate tiny titties. I cannot stand them. The guys <laughs> like all titties, so that's fine. I'm not a guy, so. It's, guys like hand. The thing, the thing, Go for it. The thing about her as an actress, though, that I think is that's more attractive is her personality in the film. Like, I mean, it's. She's, she's a good just wife. one of those, like, she yeah, she's a, she's a good wife. She's, you know, like, complimentary to to him and like she's she's also got that like i'm not gonna take any shit attitude too so like it that all equals out to where it's like okay that you know adds to it she's kind of like the the cool mom or something you know all that yeah. despite tiny titties <laughs> the the story was this like the whole the whole supernatural part didn't bother me but like the the two dads in on getting the the girl covered up like that was like kind of a stretch i was like i don't know even in that that community, I have a hard time getting my head around, like, that kind of story. Well, one, it was a huge burden on one. And for the other one, it was just like, I have, so I he had goals in life. He had a life he, he dreamt of, and he didn't want anything getting in the way for himself and his son. So, and he thought. Well, and, is- and, that, and that was for both of them, because I think both of their sons were like, you know, had looked like they might have a ticket, like, as far as a sports scholarship or something, and they it was more about their, you know, trying to keep their sons out of the, you know, like, uh, you know, losing all that, you know, momentum that they had more so than themselves. I think that really cemented it. I mean, that's the reason, you know, we brought that up in the last episode. If you can give any sympathy to those two guys whatsoever, you know, it was because they were trying to, trying to cover up for their sons because they didn't want their sons lives ruined, even though by all accounts, their, their sons deserved it. I mean, for what they did, obviously. So my, my problem, I have a hard time wrapping my head around because it what was it like 20, the ba- the movie's based 20 years ago, basically 20, maybe 30 years ago. No, that's, that, that's about the time frame of the movie. Okay. I'm not sure. Anyways, go yeah, ahead. it was in 99. I mean, yeah, that, it was like 20 30, years ago. Yeah. yeah. People were way more decent and stand up back then than they are now. So nowadays, like if you did that, I could maybe wrap my head around that. Cause just seeing how some of the people are and they, 
treat their kids as nothing wrong. But like back then, I, I, I just that's a part of when I was watching. I was like, I don't know if this this storyline holds up because I can't really because they're not from rich families. This is going to blow your mind then, Noah. The book that it's based on, which has that plot point, I think, was based in 58. So it goes back even farther than that. <laughs> yeah, but 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 does it but does it have the families as well off? Because in this community, um, everybody's pretty much like... They're not well off. They're hardworking. That's they, what I'm saying, though. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, work. The, the well, they wanted to be... That way, I think, you know. Yeah, oh, they really? wanted to be well off. They wanted to, like, if we turn this neighborhood around, the cop was talking about owning property and being able to retire soon. I mean, like... Yeah, it, they were trying to uh, gentrify their neighborhood, basically. Yeah. The, the whole gist of the conversation there. And they... And they they keep talking about how it's a good, you know, Frank at least talks about how it's a good neighborhood and how, you know, they, I mean, they, they want to, you know, kind of keep that going that way. I mean, they, you know, so they're trying to bury their ugly secrets so that they, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like anything bad ever happens there so they can keep building it up that way. Keep that image of a happy, happy life, you know? It kind of goes along with uh, Hot Fuzz, if you've ever seen that movie. They, oh, yeah. They have that whole, that comment, you know, commentary. It's like it's the idyllic little, you know, rural town, but they're actually killing any, like, bad members of society yes. off, so it stays <laughs> that way. That was the best when Simon Pegg had that epiphany. Like, oh, you're not killing these people for for real issues. You're killing them for infractions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, they had a shitty front lawn, so we yeah. had to get, let them go, you know. <laughs> All um, right. So shall we move uh, on Legend to Legend of Hell House? Yep. Uh, rating on that. I'm going to start this one out. For me, it's a three and a half out of five. Uh, I appreciate the tension in it. I like the acting, like we've discussed, and I appreciate the visuals that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The statue but, titties. Uh, yeah, uh, especially the scene with Anne and the, and the titties. I mean, that, that, that stands out quite a bit. But it's timeless. Uh, I've read the book and I know what that story could have been. And that, and I, and I know I shouldn't rate the movie based on that, but it's hard not to because I, that book is freaking amazing. But we're going to, and I just, I, and, 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 and it, and the book's a five out of five and I've got to knock this down because it, it's, it's like a pale version, like a pale shadow of what the book is. Yeah. All right. Hubby, what'd you think of it? what I think? Uh, I like to rate movies based on the era they were made. I think it gives you better reference. And I think this this held up hella good. Even like watching it today, it's awesome. I I, I could rewatch this movie again. It's a I think it did the acting is just so good in it that it, it really sells you on the movie and the and what's going on with the movie. I, I gave it like a four and a half. Wow. And cool. we we do we do <laughs> use the time era to rate movies that is a thing because we have had newer films that we're like we you expect so much better and they just fucking failed and you're just like yeah I, well it's not even that they fell it's that they failed and they used 200 million dollars that's yeah well let's, let's really be honest give, i don't give any quarter to new movies because they have no right to to fail as spectacularly as they do given the fact that movies like this did what they could with the the time period and everything else, and they and the, and visually, I think this movie knocks it out of the park for what it they attempted at that time. So, this everything, um, the plot twist in the story, like everything, kind of unraveling, and no, you don't quite know where reality is at or what's going on, or if the doctor's right or the girl's right. There's you don't really know right up into the very end. 
um, right off the bat, I want to bring up the fact that the changeling was near this time area era. Was that more closer to the eighties? It was, uh, it was a few years removed. It was, it was like 79 is when they filmed it. So it was about six years removed from this. Okay. And there wasn't any like special effects really in that film. It was all sound. It was all acting. It was, you know, you, you didn't see anything. And so, and I rated that movie pretty highly. Um, you rated that like a four and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was up there. It was pretty high. Yeah. And this is a, this is an older film. This film to me was a snooze fest. It, I'm giving it a two and a half. It I hate you. Barely I'm held. To you. <laughs> it barely held my attention. I'm not saying it's not an okay movie. And definitely it is a movie that people should watch. It definitely has some interesting things, but I laughed in this movie more than I was scared, and I know it's a different time frame, but I get scared from old movies. Like, I have seen older scary I'm going to fucking get the cat to attack you. You really drive home <laughs> fucking rear horror. What the hell? That shit was hilarious. I thought the cat, I laughed about the cat part, but it was also good, like, like fucked up moment. Like, the dude, it the, was, the yeah. cat was going vicious. <laughs> Her pussy was going crazy. Yeah, it was relentless, I, I dude. I cat scene just because I knew, it, it, I was, as soon as it started, I'm like, this is scary. They got this directly from this movie. Well, like, there's no... <laughs> and in true La Arena fashion, I was sleeping while he was watching it, and I heard the cat scene happen. So when I watched it again, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. I mean, you kind of know just by seeing the scene, you know, whatnot. But it, there was some good effects in the movie. Uh, it almost pushes that. Maybe I'll give it a 2.7. It pushes it up. It had decent effects in it, especially for its time era. But there was not enough action to keep my attention. There was a couple of times I'm sitting straight up and I'm falling asleep. So I didn't look at my phone, though. I'll I'll give it that. I, I wanted to see everything because I didn't want to miss anything. And, yeah, it, it, it didn't do it for me. There were so many good parts, like when she gets kind of semi-possessed and she starts speaking in the other voice. That's, mm-hmm. I, I thought that... How many how many movies up until then really nailed that that kind of idea? How many times in a day do I get so pissed off at you about my voice changes? Not like that. I'm not used to it. Really? <laughs> I do I do have to give credit to the sound design on the team on that because it seems like oh I mean it, we're so used to it now but like just the way they did in that movie I mean it 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 would be chilling to hear it like for the that effect for the first time yes. where her voice drops like a an octave and a half or something and it's yeah. like you know and and she's speaking that way well, like she was saying the whole part where she's like you weren't shit you were shit when you back when you were 18 you ain't nothing now and so but the look on his face when she hits him with that is just like whoa dude and he didn't react because obviously he knew what was up see but... nowadays that after that scene if you cut that movie nowadays that guy would be in the bathroom crying <laughs> she says it about me that's that's true it's like she hurt my feelings yes. so much I, and you got to, I mean, like we, we've got to give credit to, I mean, like again, to the acting in this movie. I mean, just across the board. I mean, it, the movie lives or dies by the actors considering it's only four people in the movie and yes. they, 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 they knocked it out. So, um, a little heads up. I mean, this going forward for the, po- you know, next season on the podcast, you know, and video cast or whatever. And as far as like, just so you know, Noah, <laughs> Urena's already said that she thinks that the slasher movies are going to bore her to tears. And I'm like, what the fuck are you smoking? Like, Are you I mean, serious? 
I didn't say they're going to bore me to tears. I'm just not as excited about it as he is. He's excited because he's going to see slasher titties. So, you know. Who doesn't like titties? Buckets of blood. Bucket, yeah. Tits all the time. Like, what do you need in a movie? I said I was I'm probably going to be you. unimpressed. So I need lots of action. So maybe the, the slashing alone will keep me going. She's a liar. We'll see. I've seen her watch scary movies. She gets all bunched up. The greatest kills in horror cinema happened during the slasher era. The the greatest kills. You see me get bunched up during zombie films. It's completely different. No, I see. I do not like zombies at all. So that's going to be a real interesting season. Maybe human horror, and that's going to get probably everyone in this room. Maybe not you. You're just, you're, you're, you're gone. That, I, I enjoy <laughs> movies. What are you talking about? No, you enjoy them, but it's. Not gonna, it's not gonna make you cringe as much as it is myself. I'm pretty sure the Reverend himself said, "Yeah, some of this is gonna get to me." Like he hasn't seen the Human Centipede, and I've seen Human Centipede one oh, and yeah. two. That's gonna be so. hard. For you. Oh God! You, you, you know what I just God, got? Dude. I was gonna try to watch it tonight. Is a uh, glorious. I don't know if you saw uh, uh, trailers for that yet. I've not watched it. No. Yeah. It, I, have you heard about it? Uh, I have no idea. No, I don't know what that's oh, about. You get a chance to check out the trailer for Glorious. I, I think um, um I think Shutter or uh Buzzsaw helped fund it. I forgot who it was. I did this is a tangent and a half, but I did finally see Prey last night. I enjoyed it. I I think that the haters on that saying it's too woke, they I think they're 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 looking too hard in that one because it had moments where it was it could have went a little bit more preachy than it did. But I mean, I felt like it walked the, the balance well enough to where it was enjoyable. Well, so I think they, they did you know, they did a good job legitimizing her as putting the effort in. Like like what she had had all the scenes multiple times throughout the movie. Like she she had more training montages in that movie than like you know Arnold or any of the others ever did in any of the the original Predators. So well, that's different. Arnold they, Arnold and them came in as badasses from the get go, playing right, fucking right. Yeah, playing Little Richard. Like look, that song is cemented in my head for years now after watching <laughs> Predator. But I mean, Long it's, time it's time way better time. than. It's way better than anything like you know that they're doing today with like She Hulk, for instance, I mean, where she literally is better I than can't the even, Hulk who's been at I this can't, for years. Yeah. I, I, can't, I I don't even want to watch that. I'm not interested. Like it's not even on my radar. Your son was interested, and I'm like, I wonder if he just wants to see if he could find see some Hulk titties or something. I'm probably. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. He's like, Mom, they got a new Hulk boom out. You need to get him the comics then because that was the uh, the comics were all about just, you know, uh, you know, using her sexuality as a way to get the guys to read it. And and this has gone the opposite way. It's a bunch of like, you know, uh, it's going to use her brain. Well, it's not even that. It's like she doesn't even use her brain in this. Like the biggest criticism I've seen of the show is that like she whines about everything not being handed to her, and then but it, literally everything is handed to her. Like she gets a job for no reason. Like it just because she's a superhero. She doesn't want to be a superhero. Well, but technically, she she's a minority. One. She's green. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's like it's it's just her bitching all the time about the fact that she's got all this privilege and you know and then complaining that men have more privilege than her somehow. I don't whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking. Nah, I lost it. It's gone. It's not even worth it. <laughs> um, I oh, wanted yeah. to talk real quick. Uh, get away, getting away from She Hulk. Uh, okay, we'll just say you it. know it'd be hilarious to dress up as Halloween as She Hulk. I should. <laughs> No, talking about me. Oh, you dress up as She-Hulk? Yeah. 
Put like a business it's suit ma'am. on. A business suit with a dress and a wig on. <laughs> and just oh, cover yeah. myself green. That would be hilarious. You should, do, you should make fun of that meme that's out there. She, them. You should do that. <laughs> oh, my God. We could put that on your tag, like your little ID tag. I wonder if she can only she-hulk dur- well, like one time during the month, maybe for a week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they've made jokes about that on some of the video casts I've listened to, and, and apparently it possibly might be in the show where oh it talks God. about how that That's part of the gross. time of the month affects her change. And she she's only bleeds 10, green. She's only she's 10% stronger. <laughs> but, yeah, they were talking about how, like, it's uh, buckets are flowing at that time, so she's going to, you know, use up the, the stockpile of, you know, <laughs> feminine hygiene products or something, so. Oh, no, okay. <sighs> she just it- folds up a mattress and shoves it up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much uh, it's memory. Idea. It's memory foam. Ugh. Anyways, <laughs> so the reverend... Is the good Reverend Dr. Death is next week as we speak going to Orlando Hollywood Horror Nights. Him and his wife do it every fucking year. Yeah, they don't have kids. That makes true. it easy. <laughs> <laughs> it does make it less expensive and easier to manage. So it's not even less expensive, but you're not maintaining a, a small independent moron. You're just <laughs> you're operating as an autonomous adult. You know, kid, the fuck are the kids at? Little kids it. that'll run in a crowd of people as soon as they get scared by what's oh, happening yeah. from the purge. You know, you know the story. You get it. Yeah. Where the hell are you going? I don't know. Well, why are you running, moron? <laughs> running from the scary people. Into what? The scary people. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, the Reverend, I'm, he's going uh, to uh, Hollywood Horror Nights. What are you excited to see? I am excited. There is a couple of houses down there that sound like they're going to be really good. One of them is called uh, Dead Man's <laughs> Wake, or, or, or I think Dead Man's Pier, maybe, is what it's called. And uh, it sounds like the fog. Like oh, okay. Made into a house. It sounds awesome. It's undead. It's like New England undead sailors are coming out of the water in like an icy, you know, village or something to attack you. Um, that one sounds really good. They've got another one. Let's see. What was the other one that I think is actually going to legit scare me is there's one called Bug House. It's supposed to be semi-comedic in the fact that it's supposed to be set in like the uh, 1950s home of the future. But, like, you start out in one of those, like, model homes, and then, like, they're, you know, they, they probably got the cheesy announcer, I'm imagining. They've not said this. You know, going, in the, you know, house of the future, you'll be able to, uh, you know, have food made for you, you know, like that sort of thing. But as you go through the house, like, you start noticing, like, trails of slime just start covering the wall. Yeah. And it goes from having, like, j- hordes of, of regular-sized bugs to, like, massive human-sized bugs. And they hinted that they're going to have all kinds of shit in that house to make it simu- simulate that bugs are like on your neck, on your arms, you know, like. You know that what that movie, immediately that... brings to mind is the creep show. What what was yeah, it? The Roach House. The Roach House. The guy Ew. that was just relentless about killing bugs. And. I think that house might actually get me because uh, just, uh, I mean, any time I'm outside outside and like, I, I feel something like, yeah, it might just even be like a ha- my own hair or something like, you know, out of oh, place, yeah. but, like, you know, on the back of my neck, I'm like, get, you know, cause I mean, 
I've had plenty of times hiking around here where I looked over, I felt a pain in my like shoulder, looked over, and I swear to God, there was a bug about the size of my thumb sitting there draining the blood out of my shoulder. And, and you know, when, when you get free, you know, shit like that happening to you enough times, you, you get a little antsy around bugs. So Reverend just, Dr. Death just screaming, ah! <laughs> in the haunted house. <laughs> Uh, but that one I think is legit going to get me. I mean, I don't think of these other houses. I'm, I'm interested in the cool factor of lot of some of the other houses. Uh, the Fiesta de Chupacabra is going to be an interesting one. For, for yeah, instance. they have but, Chupacabra, uh, but we have La Llorona. So that's going to be <laughs> pretty interesting. I want to read off real quick, if you don't mind, uh, what's supposed to be happening in Orlando and also what's supposed to be happening in um, Los Angeles. I'll, I'll identify both. So I'm not super excited for this one. I think it's, I'll be scared because there'll be people jumping out of you from nowhere. Of course, you're always going to have someone jumping out from the shadows. But it's The weekend After Hours Nightmare. And it's based off of the singer, The weekend. Yeah. I, I'm going to that house very first thing because that house is either going to be amazing and the weird way yeah. that they get it to work or it's going to be total shit because I don't particularly like that guy's music but mm -hmm. he does have interesting visuals yes very videos. good visuals in his music video it does have a silent hill theme to it i'm gonna go to it we're yes, gonna go to every single one much. but it's, I, it's almost like they've had botched uh surge too many botched uh, plastic surgeries going on in hollywood or something and that's, the initial that's exactly yes that's what he has a song exactly about that basically making how everyone's fake and everything like that and how they're yeah nothing's real about them. All right, next one, Halloween. I mean, come on. Michael Myers. <laughs> it's 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 going to be fun. Yeah, the, the, now I will say last year they had a Texas Chainsaw house. Yes. And it wasn't it was at the bottom of my list. It wasn't a bad house, but it also and I don't know, I mean, the Halloween house shouldn't be this way, but Universal is very good about pumping smells in their houses oh, to yeah. enhance the atmosphere. They had a whole back alley behind the uh, diner that the you know the the family and that you know has where it's yeah. like <laughs> like uh, where it smelled like rotted meat and yes. that house stunk. It I didn't bad. catch it. <laughs> so. But um, Halloween, they we went through the Halloween one last year too, didn't we? Yeah. Okay, so we went through this one already. I liked it. Um, I did also like the Texas Chainsaw one. I thought that was pretty good. I wasn't expecting much from those. So. It's all right. The, the best version I've seen of, like, a knockoff Texas Chainsaw Massacre was uh, Six Flags did one. It was a slaughterhouse. Oh, and the, yeah. And there was a dude running around with a chainsaw. Oh, with, yeah, chasing me. Yeah, so the guy had pulled, oh, yeah. he pulled the chain off, so the chainsaw sold the motor on there, and he was just running around, revving it up, oh, waving yeah. it at people. That's when I peed my costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he got me good. Dude, that was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there was, a, just hanging, there was just a, like, a local haunted house around here that did that, too, and, they got, and that was the one, one time that they got me because I was at the back of this group. We were in a section where it was supposed to be like these uh, insane, you know, people, these monster-looking people or whatever in like these uh, rusty metal cages. And they were like, you know, doing the thing where they grind like metal on metal and it sparks or whatever. And they were behind the cages whenever everybody else went through. But I was at the back of the line. And all of a sudden, one of them stepped out from behind and he, and he, and he pulled his chainsaw out and just started revving it up. And like, you know, he was getting very close to me. And oh, I mean, yeah. I know that, I know that the chain was off of it, but them things still fucking hurt if they accidentally hit you with a, a revving bar. So, I, I mean, it kind of made me a little <laughs> extra effort into getting out of there. Well, then so. you could smell the gas and everything. It's right there. So, <laughs> okay. Next one. I'm actually excited about this one, considering the Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein last year. 
was pretty decent, but they have Universal Monsters Legends Collide. And we're talking about the original Wolfman, the original Dracula, and the original Mummy. So I'm pretty and excited about that one. Fighting over uh, Amulet of Anubis. So they oh, got a okay. Cool story for that one. Yeah. Oh, it, nice. It sounds really good. Okay. Um, this one is not going to be in Hollywood, but it's Spirits of the Coven, which those the ones that are not related to anything Universal are actually really fucking good. They're most of the time the best. Yes, they go all out in them. They do. Uh, the Purge one was pretty good. They did. Yeah, but they don't have anything like that in Orlando. Okay. Ours is different this year. I guess every year they do something different, but when I saw them building the set, it looked identical to me. So we'll see how it turns out. Um, Because I'm going to read the Los Angeles ones here shortly. Bugs Eaten Alive, which the Reverend already mentioned, and then Fiesta de Chupacabras. So that's happening. Okay. This one's probably going to be good. Hellblock Horror. Looks like a prison. Yeah. so the interesting thing about that house was it's rumored that that was going to be Evil Dead or Evil Dead Rise. It, I think Evil Dead Rise was the theory, but then they pulled that movie and they moved it back till next year. So uh, I think the IP got lost by Universal. Oh, shit. So instead of it being, they had to do a last minute switch. So this went from being, you know, like Deadites and, you know, whatever else is going on in that house to... They, they went all out with this one uh, through like, use basically the kitchen sink at it. So it's going to be a... You are a group. I mean, the story is is that you're the tenth wave of uh, of prison guards that are being sent into this prison that houses nothing but monsters of all different types. Oh so it's wow! It's going to be a smorgasbord. Oh yeah! And and you're going in there to try to get to the core that's at the the bait or you know inside the deepest part of the prison to stop to basically blow the place up because they, they can't contain them any longer. They broke out. There's no way of holding them in there any longer. So if anybody's ever seen the end to Cabin in the Woods, it just imagine the shit that's going on in that and that's kind of what the vibe is for this house. It it could be very good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot this one. This one's also going to be in Los Angeles. It's uh, the Blumhouse, Horrors of Blumhouse. And it looks like it features um, the Ruthless Killer in Freaky and the Kidnapper in the Black Phone. So that'll be fun for the kids. Yeah, uh, that's going to be an interesting house because in the past they've typically done where they do half and half, like half the scenes are from one movie and half from the other. There's a lot of people, I don't know that this is going to be the case, but a lot of people are hoping that they actually mingle them together because if they could get like, you know, like you, you have like literally, you know, even if they just stack them like, like one scene, you're, you know, getting attacked by Vince Vaughn's killer from Freaky, mm-hmm. which I watched the, again the other night with my wife and it's actually, it's grown on me. I, I initially didn't like that movie as much, mostly because Catherine Newton, who was in Supernatural, played, you know, uh, the daughter to uh, Castiel. Oh, yeah. Um, Claire. She's not, she's not very good. I mean, she's okay when she's playing the the teenager in the movie but when she has to play the killer it's it's i mean it she it's Catherine newton like she's a yeah. small you know wafer thin girl like it doesn't you know but like going back and rewatching it you know and, and kind of like accepting that fact she's not terrible because i mean you do see where she it's almost like she's trying to take it from the point of view that the killer realizes he can use the character's sexuality as oh, like yeah. a way to get in close to people. So she kind of works it from that angle. Vince Vaughn's the highlight of the movie. He, yeah. He, he's awesome in both roles. Like when he tries to imitate being a teenage girl, you just imagine Vince Vaughn acting yeah, like a teenage, like girl, a teenage and girl. You know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, Dead Man's Pier, which will not be in Hollywood. So you mentioned that one. Uh, Descendants of Destruction. This one says, careful not to leave any of your Scream Squad. Okay, so you mentioned that one. 
that that one is going to be very interesting because that's a post-apocalyptic uh, a follow-up to another one. They had one called, in like two or three years ago, called Seeds of Destruction. It was set like after humanity, or humanity did something to the environment that caused the plants, basically like the happening or whatever it was, but in a different way. Like the plants rose up to kill us. Like they became, you know, poisonous to us. Uh, they started, you know, like they started ta- eating us, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's kind of well, like a uh, knock-on the movie The Triffids. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the gist of this one is this is what happened to the so this is the, the what happened to the humans in that world when they went underground to avoid the plants and they started because of whatever was in the environment they mutated over time. So you're going to be in like the subway system underground with these mutated like beasts or whatever uh, that were once humans and they're like attacking you. So that that one could be very good, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to go, so that's it for Orlando. For Hollywood, I'm just going to go through the ones that uh, are not going to be in Orlando. Uh, we have the Terratram, as usual, and it's Into the Mind of Jordan Peele, so it's going to feature basically visiting the world of us and Nope. Did you ever watch Nope? I did not I did not watch that movie. Uh, um, I, I keep I want to watch it when it comes on some kind of streaming service, but I don't want to pay to watch it because I don't know. It looks weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what, what the reviews are for it. I haven't seen any reviews. Well, the thing is, that's the problem because I can't trust the people because the people who are the stands, you know, the ones that are all the, that, that blow smoke up Jordan Peele's ass every time he releases a movie. Yeah. Are putting it over the moon saying it's the greatest thing that, that was ever produced in horror, period. Oh, the which fuck is up. bullshit. Yeah. And even Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, to his credit, we covered this on the last episode of the news. Uh, actually came out and said, you know, it's like, no, uh, John Carpenter's the greatest horror director ever, and you need to, you know, watch what you say. So at least Jordan Peele gives credit where credit's due. You but, guys all need to watch your dirty whore mouths. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're trying to say it's the best thing since sliced bread, so I don't believe those people. Other people have said it's kind of dull and weird, and I kind of feel like that's what I would think about it because I was not impressed by uh, Get Out. I thought it was an okay movie. And then us, I actually enjoyed more. I know that some people that are a lot of people don't feel that way. I thought that there was elements to us that were creepy and worked well. It's just one of those movies where, you know, it, it it's kind of weird in its own way too. So it kind of, but it actually made a pretty good house at HHN, us did. So you all might, you know, get some good mileage out of that. I don't know about Nope. I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, I thought us was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was a, a good take on that, you know, idea that everybody has a doppelganger somewhere in the planet you know yeah. it's kind of it's interesting thought yeah well we'll definitely have to try to put a short episode together of just the houses um there's more i'm going to go over but we're going to have to try to put just a single episode together of the homes <laughs> we went through um okay this one i'm kind of excited about this one because i loved this movie as a kid i am so sad you don't get to experience this in your world uh killer clowns from outer space I am so excited for the kids to experience that. I would love a balloon of blood to pop in my face. I'm upset that we don't have that, but we had it in 2019, oh, the okay. first year that me and my wife Ooh. went to it. So I'm happy that you all get to enjoy it. Oh, time, well, so. why do you have to act like you're better than us? Fine. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, the, they always do different 
the things because of the constraints of the houses and all that. So I'm interested to hear or see yeah. online what they did differently out for you all. But I felt like a lot of people, it was not at the top of their list because it, it was a comedic house. It was mm-hmm. more, it was one of those houses that was an experience house, like yeah. in Ghostbusters. It was like, if you love the movie, then you basically walk through the movie. And, okay. and I, and I love that movie. So that, that I, that was house was the top of my list that year yeah. just because they did such a good job with the, you know the different scenes from it uh, i'm excited for it for sure i need we need to have the kids watch it so for sure um <laughs> this one i am the most excited for should be no surprise la llorona and probably the <laughs> primary reason i wanted to go I mean, at this point, I was like, okay, maybe if we can just, like, afford to go real quick and just go to that house, that I was willing to negotiate whatever it took to make it happen. So we are going to see she better not touch my husband or my kids. Um, It'll be La Llorona versus La Llorena. It will not be pretty. That house has a lot of potential. I think that's going to be a very, very good house out there. Now, I heard that La Llorona happened in 2019, and I'm not sure if that was out here. Um, obviously not in your area because you've been for the past 100 years, you've been going to these homes. Uh, so. they, they had one Remember, like, so around here, they do a bunch of haunted houses in the local area. Yes. And there's that one that, yes. that warehouse that does like those three different attractions. And one of them was that. Yeah. It wasn't her exactly, but it was like the weeping woman or something like yeah. that. It was basically um, the same thing. Hollywood. Hollywood HHN did do that okay. at some point out there. That's so it's kind of a repeat house, but uh, it, it was one of their better rated houses. I okay. believe at the time that they had. And I haven't it, so. seen it, so I'm I'm excited for that. And then some of the lesser known homes that we get to experience: um, Scarecrow of the Reaping, which I imagine is going to be really good. That was the top rated house in 2018, or I, I believe it's 2018. That was the year before we went uh, for that event. They said that that house is friggin' scary as hell just yes. because they, they come, they, the quick and fast at you. Those scarecrows are attacking from all angles. Oh, so, nice. Um, Kids are going to love uh, that. Or, Orlando's got a version of that. It's a scare zone, so it's going to be out in the open. Uh, but they're doing a weird thing with it to kind of get more of that claustrophobic feel of a house in the sense that you to walk through this the zone, you've got to walk through a barn that you know is like closed in, so the scarecrows can get closer to you that way. So yeah, it's uh, so we'll get a little bit of that. But that that's that was a really good house whenever it was at Orlando. We didn't have we had a few dressed up characters walking around at Universal, and they get in your face, and they scare you. And I got scared multiple times. But we had a, a scare zone of Jabberwockies. It was very stupid. I did I was not impressed by it at all. I was like, the, really? The scare zones last year at both places were supposed to be piss poor. This year, they've upped their game. Like yeah. they, The one at Orlando looks like it's got some very good ones. Like, there's one um that i'm really looking forward to that's in the new york area called uh sweet revenge and the gist of the and the story is there's a fall festival going on so they've got a parade that's like broke down in the streets and they've got like the little judges booth and all that and uh there was a a a company a big major company that made uh, candy who sponsored the event but they poisoned it and what and and what happened whenever the kids ate it is the kids became psychotic killers so you're going to be going through this this like broken down like you know fall festival where these like kids with like blood where they are in all you know and all that are just like you know trying to uh, kill you as you walk through it so i think that's that's going to be really cool yeah and then last but not least for holly uh hollywood um halloween horror nights is going to be uh welcome to the hotel from hell 
and it's a 1920s themed hotel. So I'm stoked for that as well. Oh, that one's going to be really good. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to allow you in there. You're Mexican. Well, then I'll just stay. We'll at staying the, true no, to the time frame. I'll stay at La Arena's Hacienda then. We'll be fine. Listen, would they would they deny her access or would they tell her that she had to put on a maid's costume before she was allowed in? You're I mean, late to work. Go, go put your shit on. We need dirty. To <laughs> My skin, for the record, is whiter than the both of yours, okay? so. But your facial features aren't, babe. <laughs> My facial features, thanks. Maybe if I smile big enough and they see the fangs, they'll think I'm one of the characters for the... For the for Let's the legends, yeah. Oh, hey, 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 you're late for work. Like, ah, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, okay, moving on because we are ending this podcast here shortly. But I just wanted to point out. So, I had mentioned that you're going to um, Universal's Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights. Excuse me, as I can speak. After you return, we will be reviewing La Llorona and the Woman in White. So, we are sticking to a theme. Uh, yes, Lady in White. Uh, correct. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, um, ooh, 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 ooh. She's yes, a lady, I'm everybody, not a woman. Case. Yeah, well, it's, uh, but, and, and, yeah, and it's the, the, the whole theme behind that episode is obviously the woman in white. You know, uh, we might even mention the supernatural episode that started the whole entire damn show was based on that concept. But, um, um, yeah, there's that. And just to throw like a little, cause, we've got too much, uh, you know, white supremacy in that, that comment. So what we're <laughs> going to do is I'm going to review the woman in black. Oh, <laughs> okay. Know, okay. The bees. <laughs> All right. Just kind of keep it, keep it neutral. Yeah. <laughs> very well. Very well. So, uh, okay. Well, I look forward to talking to you when you return, uh, for anyone that is new or just checking this shit out and wondering who the fuck we are. Uh, we didn't even introduce ourselves cause we just rolled right into it. Reverend Dr. Death, I'm La Yarena. My husband pops in every few episodes if we allow him to. <laughs> Correct, if I'm allowed. <laughs> to give his review on the episodes. And he has his own podcast called Blue Collar BS, which you can find on YouTube uh, every Friday, 8 p.m.-ish, California time, as I like to say. So figure it out. If you're a blue-collar worker, you'll like it. There's a lot of shit talking. Yeah, a lot of shit talking. So is there anything else, Reverend, before we uh, close out? Uh, I can't really think of anything. I think that's pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think we got it. So thanks for tuning in, and I guess we'll see you next time. Well, and with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. Oop, that wasn't it. <laughs>